And now, introducing a man whose draft hangover is palpitating, but he looks like a million bucks, which is fitting because last night he lost about a million bucks live betting on the draft. He is Glenn Clark. Broke even last night. It was a huge win. And actually, it would have been up for the night, but I uh, I tipped the uh, the window people very well. So I can ended up breaking even. It was uh, one of the biggest victories of my life, frankly, the fact that I walked out with as much money as I walked in with. I think that counts as being up because you tipped, which is... Yes, I would have been you up. You spent the extra money. I did. Well, I just did the right thing. I yeah. did the right thing, and I took care of the folks that were working at the window, and I said, I, I consider walking out of here even a victory. So in celebration of that, I'll let them have the difference in me walking out of here even. It was a... It was a lovely evening to be hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Thanks to those of you that joined us. Uh, particular apologies to, I believe his name was Randy, who uh, I'm going to reenact one particular part of the night last night. All right, we got these two great giveaways. Uh, courtesy of our friends at Great 8's Memorabilia, we have the uh, 16 by 20 autographed Patrick Ricard uh, framed uh, uh, American flag poster. And then we have the autographed Hollywood Brown mini helmet. I'm going to pull a name, and you're going to get your first choice of who wins. Here's the name, Randy Price. Randy comes on down. He's very excited. I say, Randy, you get your choice of prizes. He says, well, I want that mini helmet. I say, great, it's yours. And then I said, all right, now we're ready to pull a second name. And then I look up at the TV, and I say, oh, but before we do, the Ravens have made a trade. And then I hear this from Randy Price. What the hell? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Four seconds after he walked back to his seat with his autographed Hollywood Brown mini helmet, courtesy of Great Eights memorabilia. Randy, and I don't know if his name is Randy Price or not. I already saw him. He actually tweeted about it this morning. This is a true story. Um, it's Godspeed something or other on uh, on Twitter is the, the man's name. And I'm, I feel terrible about it, but... You know, I don't know. Maybe Hollywood Brown will become an even better player in Arizona, and it'll be worth more money one day. I, I, there's nothing I can do about it. I, I can't change the fact that Hollywood Brown got traded literally seconds after we gave away this prize. I mean, I'm not I, – I swear to God, I hope that you can possibly understand it was seconds. There it is. There it is. Hang on a second. From Godspeed. So the NFL chick just announced I win a Hollywood signed helmet, and now he's traded. And I swear to God, within not a full minute went by from when he got his prize to the point at which we realized that Hollywood Brown had been dealt. That's a straight shoot. But it was still a great night to be at uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Thanks to all of you who joined us. Thanks also to um, uh, the gang that uh, held down the fort here, Paul and Ken and Joe and all of you who tuned in. For the Project Game Day Draft Special, Ken and I will be wrapping up the draft uh, tomorrow afternoon around 4 o'clock. We will do a, a special show to sort of put the finishing touches on what the Ravens do this weekend. I'm not promising how long it's going to go. It's going to be 4 to, to no later than 6, but it might not make it to 6. we got stuff we got to do. So um, just a show to, to put the finishing touches on the draft. Today, we react to the first round. In a few minutes, Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer, will check in with us later on this hour. Anthony Heron, uh, former Iowa defensive end, uh, Big Ten Network analyst, will get his thoughts on Tyler Linder, Linderbaum. A lot of people struggling with Linden. It's not Linden. Linder. 
People kept calling him Linden, Linderberg. That's not that either. Yeah. Also not that. Not Liechtenstein. That's a country. That's a different place altogether. It's not Luxembourg. That's a different country altogether. Linderbaum. Linderbaum. Tyler Linderbaum, of course, the Ravens' second first-round pick. Uh, we will chat with Anthony Heron about that. Doug Farrar uh, covers the NFL for USA Today, and he is very high on what it is the Ravens did. We will chat with him about that. Does it feel like it's taking Cass a long time to go out and get that thing from my car? Yeah. Should I be worried about that? When, when do we start to worry, Jordan? When she, do we start? She, she, she can figure it I out. I know she's an adult, but like, when do we start to worry about what might be happening? The half hour, Mark. The half hour? You half, give it a full a half, half hour. hour. Yeah. What could all right? Does she know what you drive? Is she just trying random cars? No, but I gave her the the key so she can hit the button. Is there any chance she hit the alarm button and she's panicking now? (laughs) I think there's a good chance. I'm I'm actually more like I got to be honest with you. I'm as concerned about the show as I am about the the entertainment that could be occurring that we could be missing out on right now. She could could be off uh, getting us all donuts. You know what? That, that, that's possible, too. She could have stolen my car and gone to go out. And the most likely scenario would be she would be doing that to go get donuts for the crew. That after would we, be the most likely scenario. After we talked to Ed Norris last week, you made her feel like it was okay to steal somebody's car. It's a, it's a good point. I did. This is a true story. I did when I used to work with Ed Norris. He would have rental cars, and he would go away for the weekend, and I would take his cars and not tell him. <laughs> and making matters worse... I was a very young man and very stupid. So, left the my, poor man at the airport. I, I'm my, I did. I definitely left him at the airport at one point, and I definitely did things in those cars that I should not talk about. Oh my god! I definitely. I mean, again, probably nothing worse than what Ed did. If I had to guess, I uh, know it's not true. I probably did things that were worse than what Ed did. Never mind. Strike that. I probably did do things that were worse. Why is the other guys coming to mind right oh, now? Oh God, yeah, it's not that, not that <laughs> specifically. I swear to God, be like, well, I could take my car, but uh, then I would have to pay for gas, and uh, if I take Ed's car, it could just be Ed's problem when he gets back. What's the chance he remembers how much gas was in his car on Friday? None. Who remembers how much gas was in there? I know my car is on empty, and I don't remember that the next I, day. I certainly didn't remember that this morning. Who would possibly remember how much gas was in their car between Friday and, Mon- uh, Friday and Monday? I can easily take. And if I go pick him up in his own car, he's going to be like, ah, you're just giving me my car. Thanks. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. It's sound logic. Yeah, it's something like that. It's what it's what it sounds like logic when you're 23 years old. That's that's what it is. <laughs> it sounds like logic. Cass, I might have another assignment for you today. All right, <laughs> look at poor Cass. She's shook. She, She's she disheveled. is somewhere in between a school teacher and a fembot. We've got a we've got a uh, we've got a symposium later today. We got a uh, like a I don't even know what this. is. We have some sort of event for her intern. We're celebrating her internship later today at Stevenson ah. University, which is. I decided not to wear the same thing I'm wearing to Project Runway tonight, which uh, might have been more popular if I had worn that. But uh, that's going to have to be for those of you that are coming out to Project Runway. You can still get your tickets, projectrunway.org. Still some tickets available to come out and join us tonight and support the folks that show your soft side and barks and all the wonderful things they do. All right, let's get into it. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. What a great night we had last night. Best place to be for the rest of the draft as well as the NBA playoffs. One more uh, first-round series that needs to be decided tonight or, I guess, on Sunday. Um, And then two big fights coming up in May. 
UFC 274, and then Gervonta Davis. Baltimore Zone is in action later on in the month. Get your spots reserved for fight night in the FanDuel Sportsbook by going or emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. So here's the deal. Um, I think a lot of people did react dramatically last night, and I think some of those people are are easing up on how dramatic they feel. I know uh, Lil Jordan's part of that crew. Lil Jordan apparently broke everything in his house last night in a fit of rage, was just throwing whiskey bottles against the wall. Poor Lil Jordan's uh, uh, girlfriend was like, "What? what is I, I'm with a monster. Like, it was a whole situation. And then a, an hour or two later, he was like, oh, I'm good. What are you talking about? It's like it never happened. He's trying to pretend like he never acted like that. Poor Lil Jordan. It's a dra- dramatized version of what actually occurred. Um... Obviously, it was shocking to see that the Baltimore Ravens had traded Hollywood Brown. I want to be careful about a couple things here. Do not be the person who says that the Baltimore Ravens traded Hollywood Brown for a first-round pick. They did not do that. It's sort of like what we're doing with the Orlando Brown thing from a year ago. They got a first-round pick in a trade that involved Hollywood Brown, but they did not trade Hollywood Brown for a first-round pick. Now, I'm still good with the trade, the same way that I was good with the trade they made for Orlando Brown, but we try to oversimplify things or give a team too much credit, and that's not true. They had to give up a third-round pick in order to make that possible, and I'm okay with them doing that because, as we said going into the draft, they had seven third- and fourth-round picks. After all the maneuvers they made, they still have seven or third- or fourth-round picks. They just have one in the third round and six Six. By the way, that strategy of trying to uh, uh, get all the fourth rounders in our draft draft looks even better for your boy now. I just don't know if any of them are actually going to go in the fourth round. Also, <clears throat> commanding 1-0 lead on everyone. Commanding 1-0 lead after Ken last mentioned night. that last night. Nobody had – I'm really worried about Cass. I'm really worried about Cass. I don't know there. what's going on. I'm very nervous about Cass. She had to run up and down this the is how she reacted. Though. This is how she reacted to hearing Cal Ripken's voice, though, too. She was very – it's the exact same she way. She loves Tyler Linderbaum. Maybe that's what it is. She gets all steamy about Tyler Linderbaum. Did you used to live in Iowa? I feel like you lived everywhere else. Yeah, right. No. You, yeah, no. 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 Okay. Um, so let's start with that. Hollywood Brown was not dealt for a first-round pick. But given the circumstances, given the idea that apparently Hollywood Brown asked for a trade, now this is the only part that I don't fully understand. Did he ask for a trade because he was frustrated with his role? Did he ask for a trade because he was frustrated with the response from Ravens fans? We talked about that with Torrey Smith the other day. Did he ask for a trade because he didn't want to be in a run-first offense anymore? Did he ask for a trade because he realized the Ravens were never going to pay him the amount of money that he wanted to be paid? These are relevant questions that we won't have answers to until Hollywood Brown, if he chooses to speak about it. The Ravens did not give any more information about it because every layer of that is a bit relevant to what the Ravens are dealing with. If what he asked was for a trade because he didn't want to be in a run first offense anymore, it does back up some of the issues that we've talked about with what the Ravens are doing in terms of getting wide receivers. And it might be further proof of why they needed to be more aggressive in going to get wide receivers. Should they have been the team that tried to get A.J. Brown. Well, maybe A.J. Brown would have said the same thing. I I don't want to sign 
for $100 million in Baltimore. I can't imagine why anybody wouldn't want to sign for $100 million anywhere. I mean, I would take $100 million from anybody who wanted to give it to me. Let me think if there's somebody. Yeah, I would be a Duke guy for $100 million. I would be the world's biggest Duke fan for $100 million, but not a penny less. 99, no chance. Scumbags, jerks, pieces of crap, garbage humans, but at 100, love them. Always loved The biggest Shane Battier guy in the history of humanity for $100 million. It's a relevant conversation that we just don't have the answers to. In, until or if Hollywood Brown chooses to explain why it was that he wanted to be traded. If he says it's because of the reaction that he got from Ravens fans, I, I would sort of say that's weak. I mean, that's weak. I agree with Torrey Smith that he faced far too much criticism here, but it's weak to say I want to be dealt because of that. Welcome to the NFL. Correct. Yeah. Um, I mean, you dropped the ball a few times. Like, you're going to get criticism. Was it unfair? Did people, as I said to Ken Zalas last night, there were a lot of people that treated Hollywood Brown like he was Brashad Perryman. And it's the same people, it's funny that we talked about it with Torrey Smith, they're the same people that tried to run Torrey Smith out of town after he had 10 receiving touchdowns at a time where no one did that for the Baltimore Ravens at the wide receiver position. We were way too critical of Hollywood Brown here. That doesn't mean we should have treated him as if he was Jerry Rice. It doesn't mean we should have treated him as there is room to be fair and to be honest about Hollywood Brown, but we don't live in that society. Everything is goat or trash. That's the society that we live in. Either you're the greatest of all time or you're complete garbage. And Hollywood Brown was somewhere between those two things, and we're incapable of having an honest conversation about that. But if the problem was that Hollywood Brown wanted to get the A.J. Brown contract, like, if he thought that was coming, then yeah, the Ravens weren't going to do that. And if that was the case and he said, well, then I want to be traded, then it makes all the sense in the world that the Ravens would say, okay, then we got to trade you. It doesn't change the fact that they have another problem now. And they can say all they want about, and we can keep doing the bit. I, like, I saw KZ do this this morning. Well, the draft isn't over yet. True. But the number of times... The Ravens have been able to address year one impact players beyond the first round is a small number. It's an almost unidentifiable number at the wide receiver position. There's Torrey Smith, who was an impact player. It took him a couple of weeks, but he became an impact player pretty quickly in Baltimore after being a second round pick. We can call Brandon Stokely an impact player, but it's really just that he was an impact player in the Super Bowl. Like, we can't pretend like Brandon Stokely had an impact 2000 season. He was an afterthought during the course of the season that was kind of moved into a role because they had nobody else. He became an impact player later in Indianapolis, but not here. Well, I mean, yes, his career. But, I mean, he was a player here. It's hard to... Again, we're, I, I, I find myself in this weak, this tough spot where because he wasn't great, that doesn't mean he wasn't helpful. He was helpful, and he was very helpful in winning a Super Bowl. Let's make that abundantly clear. He was incredibly helpful in winning a Super Bowl. But it's been extraordinarily rare for the Ravens to find someone beyond the first round that becomes immediately impactful, which doesn't mean they don't become good football players. or doesn't mean Jarrett Johnson became a very good football player. There have been plenty of guys that became really good football players they took after the first round. But now we're talking about the difference in 
finding a quality football player versus trying to fill holes on your roster immediately. And those are two different conversations. And you want me to tell you how I feel about the picks? I think they're both good football players. I like them. I think the Ravens, for the most part, did well with their first two picks in the NFL draft. I think Kyle Hamilton's an outstanding football player. I think he has the chance to be a special football player if used the correct way. I saw a report on him last night, and again, it was from the Sporting News, um, that referred to him as one of the best safety prospects ever. Um, I mean, I you know, that's hyperbole. I mean, like, Lord knows. It doesn't it just doesn't it doesn't mean anything, but could he be? Yeah, I mean, could he be? Maybe. Who knows? Maybe he could prove to be one of the great safeties uh, prospects ever. He was certainly graded high by many of the analytics types. There were plenty of people that thought that Kyle Hamilton was a top seven. There were plenty of people that thought he was there were arguments that Kyle Hamilton was the best overall player in this draft. Now, there were arguments about a few of those guys being the best overall player in this draft. So we pick and choose based on who it is that the team gets, whose scouting report we want to believe. I think Cynthia Freeland, who's one of the analytics folks for NFL Network, was one of the ones that was particularly high last night on um, uh, Pull Up, which she said about Kyle Hamilton, because she was one that I want to say had him like number two on her list. And so when you see that, you say... There you go. You got the second best player in the draft. Well, there are plenty of other people that don't think that that person was the second best player in the draft. We're just picking and choosing whose analysis we want to look at and we want to believe in. Um, I like Kyle Hamilton. I think he's a hell of a football player. Yeah, uh, Cynthia Freeland said, the Ravens landed my model's number two overall prospect, Kyle Hamilton, at 14, and number nine overall prospect at 25. So because we all want to feel pretty and we want to feel special, we share that out and say, we got two of the ten best players in the draft. Well, according to someone's opinion. And, and maybe one day down the road we'll look back at this and say, yep, they sure did. But we have no idea if that's actually true or not. We have no clue. We're just reacting because, again, we want to feel pretty. We want to... We want to all feel like um, Papa Cass does when she puts on her intern symposium. Uh, 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 Luke. Is that what they call it? L-E-W-K? Luke. Luke. How do you, it's just look. They just spell it yeah. a different way. Was unaware of that. Oh, that's a thing. Oh. That's the a young thing, Utes yes. don't know about Come this? Come on. That's a thing. That's not L-E-W-K? That's a thing. That's my Luke. Quick. May- maybe it's too old. Change your... Uh Change one of your things for yeah, today. Yeah, look, look. It's look. It's it's look. They just spell it L-E-W-K. It's actually O-O-T-D, so thank what? you very much. What is that? O-O-T-D, what outfit is... of the day. Now, see? That, that should... I know. I don't know that. I don't know that at all. It <laughs> means nothing today. They call it a fit. Is that a thing or is that for dudes? Is dudes, do dudes say fit? No, everyone says fit. Okay. Like, if right. your fit is nice, yeah. Okay, all right. For sure. Wait till you see my fit for Project Runway. Oh boy! Oh, I saw. You're not it. wearing it right now. Oh, right. That's right. I you saw were in my it car. in the car. <laughs> you saw it in my car. Yeah, it's a thing. Um, I like the players. I like the players, and you can like the players and both acknowledge that the team still has holes and be suspect about their ability to fill those holes between now and then. It doesn't mean they can't, but when you hear about them saying, "Well, there's still players available in free agency," I mean. I'm super interested in Jarvis Landry all of a sudden. All of a sudden, I want to know more. I want to talk all about Jarvis Landry. 
I don't get why Jarvis Landry is still available to begin with. I've never understood that. But that's the one. Beyond that, it's a bunch of guys that it's redundant to what you've done in the past. It's getting another Sammy Watkins. It's getting another insert name here. It's a bunch of guys that I would say don't actually address the problem. They're just guys. Why do people keep talking about Odell Beckham Jr. like he didn't just tear his ACL in the Super Bowl? Like he's he probably won't play this year. I I don't see that's where I'm not getting these injuries don't take nearly as long as they used to. But that's only it's only nine months. I, it could be. I mean, like we've watched this, we've seen this with others before. I don't think he'd be ready for week one. Yeah, I think that would be I, stunning. But I'm and again, I didn't think Odell Beckham was the answer a year ago. But as it turns out, he had a lot to offer when mm-hmm. he got to the Rams. So I'd listen on that. But it's a very short list of impact players that are still available on the free agent market. It's a lot more guys. And when the Ravens say, well, we've done this before and we've signed players late in free agency, you haven't signed impact players. That's a fallacy. They have not done that. Not recently, no. No, no, no. They, they want you to believe that like when they signed TJ Hushmanzada, that was signing an impact player. It was not. Did they trade for Bolden, or did they, they trade for Bolden? Bolden was, was very early in the process, and they traded for him. Yeah. The guys they've signed late in the process have not been impact players. They were guys that we had heard of, but they were not impact players. That's fair. Now, they could still trade for a DK Metcalf. They could still do something to really bolster wide receiver, and maybe they can find somebody. It is a well-thought-of wide receiver class. They might still be able to find an impact guy beyond round one. Yes, Jordan, quickly. Do you think I'm I'm high on Christian Watson? I like do, I like do, Christian Watson. Do you too. think he falls to us at 13 today, and we go second round receiver? Maybe, maybe. There's Pickens too. They also have six fourth round draft picks they can trade up with. Yeah, I mean, if they if they love a guy, absolutely, they can use that as ammo to go get him. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm I I would they all I I still think they need an edge rusher too, though, right? Like this is the problem. There are I have no problem with them getting those players. They're good football players, but we do have to acknowledge there are needs. And having six fourth-round picks, to me, does not go about addressing immediate needs for this football team. Let's talk about it with Pressbox Ravens beat writer Bo Smolka. He had a long night out in Owings Mills last night. Bo, appreciate you taking a couple minutes for us this morning, sir. Uh, no problem. What was Thanks. What was your immediate reaction specifically to the Hollywood Brown trade? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, immediate, it, it all happened so fast. It's hard to say what my immediate reaction was because right away they're picking again. Right. And it was such a frenetic hour or so. Um, but given, you know, listening to Eric Costa at the end of the night, I mean, he wanted to be traded. He wanted to be traded and, and there's no point keeping guy around who doesn't want to be here. And I, it's, it's a very interesting situation because, Obviously, he's really good friends with Lamar Jackson, but let's face it—he had gone. He had publicly griped a few times when the ball didn't come his way in in some of those situations. It looks like he wants to be in a situation where he's going to be a bigger part of the offense. And when you have Bateman and frankly, when you have Mark Andrews, you're just not going to be the number one guy. And so, um, as I said, if he doesn't want to be here, it doesn't behoove the Ravens to keep him here. Um, so that it was obviously a, a big thing, but what it does is suddenly it creates a big hole on this team. Right. And, and so I know a lot of people are, are raving about the two players the Ravens got, but it's not a, it wasn't a two point gain as it were, because they lost, they, they created a big hole last night and, and Eric DaCosta was being 
I don't know if he was being diplomatic or optimistic or what when he said, we've got a lot of good young receivers. They've got unproven young receivers is what they have. And they are in a situation where they need to find another receiver. And I just heard the very tale of what you were talking about there. I mean, we have seen this play out before. Jeremy Macklin, Sammy Watkins. Do they bring in another June, July, August receiver signing and lately that those guys have just been guys. Yep. Um, so the question is, where do they go? I think they're going to draft a receiver, if not today, tomorrow. But even if you do that, you know, Devin Duvernay was a third-round receiver. I wouldn't say he's had a huge impact, especially as a receiver so far. How big is your impact going to be with receiver now? Um, I think they need to find a receiver in this draft. I think I, I think they might get one tonight. But as you point out, they need to get an edge rusher, too. Um, this team has holes. It had holes before, and it just added one at receiver. So it was an interesting draft for sure. And, look, they think Kyle Hamilton is one of the top five players in the draft. And Eric DaCosta said not in a million years did he expect he would be there at 14. So that looks like the classic case of the Ravens take the best available player regardless of need. Um, it just screams of that. So, But you can't deny that they remain with major positions of need and that they added one at receiver last night. Uh, Bo, it seems like, based on his reactions, Lamar Jackson was ca- called off guard by all of this last night. Do you think the Ravens... Which apparently isn't true, according to the Ravens. No, do, do you think that they talked to, to him about this beforehand, or is, was he blindsided? I, I can't believe he was blindsided. First of all, Lamar, Marquise Brown was at the, at the Cardinals draft party, so I cannot imagine that Lamar Jackson didn't know that Marquise Brown would be in Arizona last night having just been drafted. The Ravens said they talked to Lamar Jackson during the week uh, or before the, I don't know when exactly, but that they talked to Lamar Jackson and let him know the trade situation was what it was. So I don't think he was blindsided by it. And I can't imagine that, I mean, I know Marquise Brown and the Ravens and the Cardinals wanted to keep it quiet, which they were able to do. But I can't imagine that Lamar Jackson didn't know about it. Um, I, I just don't believe that. So they said they talked to him. Again, Lamar Jackson's not going to have veto power on these kind of things. And, right. and, but I, I do believe that uh, – I believe DeCosta when he said that he you know, informed Lamar Jackson or discussed it with Lamar Jackson before the trade happened. Um, but that's not, as I said, that's not going to change DeCosta's mind. He is Press Box Ravens beat writer Bo Smolka. He's with us here on GCR. By the way, just a quick addition to the guest lineup today, Iowa coach Kirk Ferentz, of course, a one-time Ravens assistant. He will join us a little bit later on to tell us a little bit more about Tyler Linderbaum. Um, Bo, as far as, let's talk about the players they took themselves. And I'll begin with with Kyle Hamilton, again, because you kind of have this, it wasn't the area of need. It's certainly a very good football player, but you kind of do a numbers game, right? You got three now sort of starting caliber safeties on your roster. I I guess it's safe to assume that Chuck Clark is the odd man out, but you know, is there a chance that you're really using Kyle Hamilton more like a linebacker and that all three of them are on the field or or Chuck Clark gets used in a more different way? Uh, John Harbaugh said last night, they won't hesitate to put all three of them on the field together. Um, Eric DaCosta specifically talked about Hamilton's ability to cover tight ends. He's got hit six foot four, two twenty. Um, that's a that's something he can do, and so I think that's a situation where that Hamilton might be that guy. He might be the guy that comes down, plays tight end right on the line of scrimmage, 
Um, so there's a case where they could put him there, and then you still play your two other safeties. Clark maybe in, in kind of floating in a dime and, and Williams deep. But, yeah, I mean, that's obviously the first question. So how are you going to do it with three right. safeties? They're going to figure out ways to get all three of them on the field, I think. And um, But I, he, I, I, it was interesting to hear DeCosta specifically mention Hamilton's ability to cover tight ends, which obviously is going to be a big part of what they want to do defensively. Um, and we were talking about roster holes, and let's face it, they're still, they still need to find some cornerbacks too. Um, Brandon Stevens is a guy who's kind of a hybrid safety corner, and his role might change now given that they've added Hamilton. Maybe they'll look more to Stevens to go back to cornerback, which sure. is where he played in college, sure, or play as a slot corner. So I think there will be multiple ways they can get all three of them on the field, but they're not drafting Kyle Hamilton to not have him be playing all the time. And they obviously aren't signing Marcus Williams at $70 million to not have him be playing nope. all the time. Nope. And Chuck Clark is the red, uh, the green dot guy who runs the defense, so I think he's going to be on the field a lot. So they're going to find ways to get them all out there. Oh, and with Kyle Hamilton's size, he certainly looks like the type that you could 100% use in that hybrid role. I mean, like, and we know that he's done that, obviously. So it would make a lot of sense for that to be the case. And, you know, I think it was pointed out last night, back in 2019, they did. They, they ran a lot of three safety looks, so this isn't, this isn't necessarily foreign, and I think it's something that Mike McDonald will probably be comfortable with. On the other side of things, I, you know, you have to assume that Tyler Linderbaum is the day one starting center now for this football team. Where does that leave Patrick McCarry? Does that put him in sort of the, hey, he'll be the right tackle if Ronnie Stanley, for whatever reason, isn't ready to go? Is is he the left guard? Is he the, the former James Hurst role where you get paid to be here to be the backup to everybody it's an awful lot of money to invest in somebody who's not necessarily a starter, if that's the case. Well, I found it interesting. Last night, John Harbaugh flat out said he expects Linderbaum to start on day one, which he doesn't often do with rookies. But he said Linderbaum will probably start. And so where does that leave McCary is a good question. I mean, McCary, James Hurst might be a good analogy because he is a guy that can play everywhere, and he might be the guy that's just there to be you're basically playing wherever we need you at any time we need you. They did pay him this offseason, and usually you pay guys to start. Um, he might be in that mix at left guard. That's a spot that is, you know, was open last summer, and it's probably going to be open again this summer. Ben Powers, Ben Cleveland, Tyree Phillips, none of them really seized it to, to any definitive degree. Um, if Ronnie Stanley's not ready, do they look at McCarry at left tackle? Of course, they've got Juwan James, who they think might be ready again with his Achilles, but his health is always a question. You don't think you need uh, McCarry at right tackle anymore because you just signed uh, Morgan Moses. You, you, you don't think you need him at right guard because you have Kevin Zeitler who played really well. You don't think you need him at center because you just signed a first-round draft pick you claim is going to be the number, you know, day one starter. So I think McCarry could be um, kind of an insurance on Ronnie Stanley, not that he's played much left tackle. But I think you're exactly right. I think he's paid to be the swing tackle and the guy who can play anywhere if we need him. And there's value there for yep, sure yep. because these guys get banged around and have to miss games and Cleveland gets a concussion and he's out for four weeks or Ben Powers has a foot and he's out for four weeks and you throw McCarry in anywhere. So, But I, I, I found it striking that uh, John Harbaugh last night basically came right out and said he expects Linderbaum to be the day one starter, which on the one hand you would think, yeah, your first-round draft pick should start right away. On the other hand, 
Harbaugh's not always willing a good to point. say yep. anyone is going to be a day one starter. Yeah, you're right, Bo. It's it's un it's unRavens like in that way to just announce it, but. You know, I, I think the rest of us would probably be saying it today if he didn't. We'd all be saying, well, you're not drafting a center in the first round if you don't believe he can start on day one. Um, you you kind of have to – you got to believe that in order to make that move. Um, Bo, the, the priorities now, I, I, I assume receiver and edge rush and corner have to be the biggest priorities. Do you, do you think there's a chance they still try to trade for a receiver? Like – is this all going to be – they have so many fourth-round picks, and I just can't believe that they think that this many fourth-round picks can can all be impact players for them very quickly or, or, frankly, even all make the roster at this point. Yeah, it was interesting. Last night, Derek Tacosta even said, look, we have six fourth-round picks. I'm not naive. I know all six fourth-round picks aren't going to pan out. Uh, and because I know he caught a lot of grief for saying how big the fourth-round was going to be when they had five of them, and they didn't all pan out the way he hoped. But – they do have the six. Um, do I think they're going to trade for a receiver? I don't expect it, but I've been proven wrong so many times, I don't know. I think they, I mean, I personally think they're going to look to get a receiver tonight, but that's just my guess. I, they're going to see how that board falls. I, you're right. I think cornerback, edge rush, and um, wide receiver, like I said, wide receiver becomes a big hole right now. I just sent something for a press box online. It's going to be posting shortly with, some of their kind of targets for tonight. And one of them, I think you guys mentioned, was Christian Watson, a wide receiver from North Dakota mm-hmm. State. I mean, he's six foot four. This team needs a size receiver. Now, he had some issues with drops, but he did really well at the Senior Bowl, which is something that the Ravens scouts always value. Um, and at six foot four, 208 pounds, that's not a profile they have at receiver right now. So he's an intriguing one. Um, I think still one of the fascinating stories is going to be David Ajabo, right? He's still out there of for course. Michigan. Of course, yep. Um, but can they afford to take a guy coming off an Achilles who you probably won't have for most of the year? Coming off an eight and nine year with a lot of holes on their roster, can they afford to have a guy who they know won't play most of the year? Huge upside, probably would have been a first-round pick, potentially top half, potentially with them in the first round. But I think he's a fascinating one to watch, but yeah, I think edge, corner, receiver are all uh, the top needs right now. I would say tackle is less of a need now only because you figure McCurry is no longer the center and he becomes a possibility, a tackle. I still think they're going to take a tackle having listened to DeCosta say there's good tackles throughout four rounds. I think they're going to draft a tackle at some point, but not. I, I would be surprised if it's tonight. Um but I think those three positions exactly right. Cornerback, wide receiver, edge rusher, and I think they have to address those needs tonight. Well, and I've, I've said along, I think they're drafting a tight end at some point because this is the Baltimore Ravens and they draft tight ends. It's just sort of what they do. So I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Um, Bo, appreciate you taking the time this morning. I know it's a busy weekend. If you guys haven't picked up the new print issue of Press Box, and maybe it's more relevant specifically for like Rashad Bateman and Tylon Wallace, Bo dove into what progress would look like for last year's Baltimore Ravens draft picks in this print issue of Press Box, which is now available at your neighborhood Royal Farms, uh, anywhere where you get Press Box in town and PressBoxOnline.com. Bo, appreciate you, pal. At Smoke on Twitter. We will uh, talk to you again a- after the weekend is over, all right? It's... All right, Glenn. Thanks very much. Have a good day. Thanks, buddy. You too. Bo Smolka checking in with us here on GCR. Make sure you're following him at B Smolka for all of the latest throughout the weekend. 
Um, as far as Lamar's tweet that got everybody all riled up, I mean, the Ravens say directly that they told Lamar before the trade was even made. So not even before last night. They're saying the trade was made earlier in the week. They told Lamar before the trade was even made. He says it's not about Tyler Linderbaum. There is absolutely a possibility that was just Lamar Jackson giving a genuine reaction to say how far Jermaine Johnson had fallen in the draft. Something like that. Uh, It's possible we are reading way too much into that being about something that the Ravens did or didn't do versus a guy that's just sitting around watching the draft. Because I can tell you in the FanDuel Sportsbook last night, every pick that went by, every single one of us was like, what the F is going on with Jermaine Johnson? So it's totally plausible that we are reading way too much into this. I just assumed it was his reaction to seeing Hollywood at the Arizona draft party. But no, if that, it's his best friend, they would have talked about this. I, I mean, imagine. but one, they, they, and they, <laughs> they say they did, 100%. They say, they again, they talked to him days ago mm-hmm. about that. If that wasn't true, I would think that Lamar probably would have said something by now. Right. I meant that, that Lamar and Brown probably talked about this. Well, I mean... I, I'm gonna. In fact, we are. We know that he reacted to. We had, he had already responded to a tweet that um, Hollywood had sent a tweet that said something like, "I wish I could have stayed with my brother forever" or something like that. And mm. and Lamar had already retweeted that. So it definitely wasn't that. Okay. There's no debate that it wasn't that. What was it? I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know what Lamar Jackson was reacting to when he said WTF. But I instead of assuming. It's anger towards the Ravens. I think we all have to remember a lot of people are sitting around tweeting during the draft last night. And there were surprising things. At the moment, how far Jermaine Johnson had fallen was very surprising. And I I don't think that Lamar would have had a negative reaction to the Ravens getting a really good player who's going to help protect him. I would would think that. And he says it was not related to Linderbaum. He went on afterwards and said it wasn't related to Linderbaum. And somebody would say, yeah, but he has to say that to cover his ass. Well, maybe, but yes, it would also be surprising if that were the case, right? Mm -hmm. You get an offensive lineman to put in front of a quarterback to try to keep him on his feet. It would be surprising that your reaction would be WTF. Now, is his reaction that they didn't get a wide receiver? Is it possible that the Ravens... So here's the conspiracy theory that uh, my friend, the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard's working with, is they make this trade assuming they can take another wide receiver at, at, at 14, and then they watch both... Um, Garrett Wilson and Drake London go off the board. And was there one more? Alave too, right? Alave mm-hmm. went off the board beforehand. And Williams. And they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, right, and Jamison Williams. And all of a sudden they're like, well, you know, we, we don't like Jahan Dotson that much. So maybe part of this was that Lamar thought he was going to get a new wide receiver with the 14th pick. The wide receivers all go off the board. And he's like, hey, that was kind of part of you assuaging me about all of this was that I thought I was getting a new wide receiver out of the deal. You made two first-round picks, and I didn't get a wide receiver. By the way, Aaron Oster looks like a genius. Eight wide receivers taking well, the I first mean, round. It, and he nailed, it was five and a half. It would have been over six and a half when we finally got to that. Bur- Burks was there at 14 too. Yes, yes, but you're kind of just drafting the position at that point. Very few people thought Burks was somebody that you should be using the 14th pick on. Now – Maybe they thought they could get him at, at 23, and then he ends up going, and then they trade back from 23. Yeah, I would like to take a break if we can. Um, today's show is also brought to you 
by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. If you missed it, Stan and Ross caught up with Jack Graham. Big week for the Ironbirds. He's the general manager. You can find that Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, PressBoxOnline.com slash video, <clears throat> or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. I need Cass to get me those lozenges. I'm really worried. I got a big night on tap. I got so that a big draft night. hangover. Whew. I just a lot going on. Well, and the weather, the whole thing. Anyway, the moral of the story, Stan and Ross are going to welcome Rick Dempsey coming this Monday. So look forward to that. We come back in. Anthony Heron from the Big Ten Network. We'll talk more about Tyler Lindenbaum next. Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com that first sip that first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. I'm not writing a column today, but if I had to preview my column for Monday morning, my guess is I'm going to say I like the moves the Ravens made. But I also think that there are some holes, and I'm concerned that they're not going to be able to fill them with impact guys in time for week one. That's just my gut. If I had to preview what I think I'm going to end up writing on Monday, and they got, we'll see how the weekend plays out, but that's probably the column that I'm going to end up writing. 
All right, we continue on on a Friday edition of GCR, reacting to what happened last night. Let's find out a little bit more about um, maybe both the guys the Ravens picked. I know he's in Chicago, perhaps. He saw a little bit of Kyle Hamilton, too. He is a Big Ten Network analyst, as well as an analyst for, it feels like, everyone in sports media. He is a former Iowa and NFL defensive end. He's Anthony Heron, Big Ant, and he's with us now here on GCR. Anthony, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's good to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Hey guys, yeah, no problem at all. Always fun to talk about the NFL draft as it's still in progress, and especially like, like you referenced, I'm here in Chicago. I cover the Bears really closely, and we kind of got the antithetical situations here where just every year Bears fans have no idea what the franchise is. <laughs> There's no confidence in the draft cycle, regardless of the regime, whereas yeah. he hasn't been able to bask in Baltimore draft glory for years now. Yes, there has been some some significant success over the years here in Baltimore. We have been spoiled in that way. Admittedly, whenever we get frustrated about something, we have to remind ourselves, oh yeah, we got it a lot better than most people do. <laughs> a lot better. Uh, um, you're an Iowa guy, of course, uh, yeah. and you're a Big Ten Network guy. Uh, you're, what, what do you think Baltimore Ravens fans should know about Tyler Linderbaum um, as you know that center is not a popular position to be using a first round pick on or for people to really know a whole lot about but just about everyone seems to think this kid is the real deal he is he definitively is one thing that probably the only real concern that I that I found that I listed about Tyler Linderbaum in the recent weeks and months here if anyone asked me about him related to the draft was just because he had become sort of this folk hero as a center at Iowa. And there's, you know, just YouTube highlights galore of him sprinting downfield and taking guys out, decleating guys at the line of scrimmage, finishing blocks. And, you know, that, that can be something, especially because it's, you know, center isn't a position that's normally popularized in that way that, man, there's going to be sort of this harsh glare of expectation on Tyler Linderbaum if he gets drafted as high as some folks are talking about. You know, there was there was some talk about, you know, maybe he's going to be a top-ten pick because he's just this generational talent. And so, you know what, that's going to, that's going to put a big spotlight on a level of dominance that can be really difficult to attain right off the bat as a center in the National Football League. I certainly have and continue to feel really strongly about the long-term prospects for his success and certainly being drafted into that situation in Baltimore only enhances that confidence. But he's not one of these guys who's, whose size will overwhelm anyone at the line of scrimmage. But he is one of the most athletic centers that we've seen in this generation of football. He can snap and pull out in space. He's a guy who can direct traffic pre-snap. He had a lot of those responsibilities at Iowa that he was tasked with in Kirk Ferentz's offense. And he does have some point-of-attack power as well. He just doesn't necessarily have the sheer girth to overwhelm people immediately off the snap. But he recovers as well as any center you can hope for. So, I mean, he's he's a guy who will, without a doubt, without a problem, be able to come in, be an immediate starter. And, you know, he, he doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, project that well to any other spot on the offensive line. Like he, he'd play guard if he had to in a pinch, but he wouldn't be dominant there. But, I mean, you know, as far as just a guy who's going to be a plug and play center for the next decade, I don't have any doubts that that's what you got. Um, do, do you, when we talk about the size, we're not used to seeing an offensive lineman listed at less than 300 pounds, like, at all. Is it relevant? Do we have too much data to say, no, we know it doesn't matter? 
and 296 is not all that different than 304 or whatever. Like we're we're maybe overreacting to a number just because it happens to be somewhat south of the number 300. I, I think there can be some overreaction to it, and you know, for certain teams, I, I would say it's probably worthy of more concern. Just from the outside looking in, my impression of of Baltimore has been for quite some time that that they can cater a system. They can cater an offense. They can cater a game plan to their personnel. Obviously, famously, they've been doing that with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. And it's one of the things that's been a point of frustration for the Bears that I cover them here in Chicago is that they don't necessarily seem to, at least the previous regime. Now, we've got a new coach and a GM. We're going to get their first draft pick tonight. Yep. But previously, the Bears haven't done an effective job of catering their system to their personnel. And so where we're accustomed to seeing those Baltimore Ravens offensive lines just be mammoth across the board. All these, these hulking skyscrapers everywhere. Tyler Lindebaum certainly isn't that. Well, at the same time, like I referenced, he does. And they, they're probably one of his one of his most famous, maybe his most famous off-the-field highlight clip is the one that a couple of networks showed after the draft last night of him being able to pin Tristan Works as a high school wrestler. Right. And, uh, and Tristan's not much older than Tyler, but... But he does. He's got that ground-based power that, that you do need on the interior of the offensive line to be able to move people off the point of attack. And because he's so athletic, he's beyond nimble. You hear a lot of offensive linemen described as nimble and dancing bears. He's a full-on athlete. I mean, I, I'm confident there's going to be highlights of him sprinting out in space in front of Lamar Jackson, just running down the field. Lamar's going to be pointing at guys. Tyler's going to be diving at people's legs 30 yards down the field. That's going to be fun to watch. And so it'll be a, a different, a new look, I think, sort of rushing attack for the Ravens because there's going to be the ability to utilize their center in a way where they can have him not only be a part of the run game at the second level, but even the third. And he's just a rare athlete in that regard. So that's going to make up for some of that lack of girth. You're making a lot of friends in Baltimore this morning, Anthony Heron. We like the sounds of that. We, I mean, because this is what we know they're going to do. They're going to they're gonna run. That's that's what a Greg Roman offense is. And, you know, the, if, if he's that road grader type, and everything about that sounds like it works. Like, it really checks off a lot of boxes the way you're describing him. He's Anthony Heron. He's with us here on GCR. Anthony, I referenced, you know, you being out in Chicago. Did, did you did you watch much Notre Dame? Do you know a lot about Kyle Hamilton? I did, yeah. He's a, he's a well, one, I mean, you know, from my understanding, the, the Ravens didn't necessarily even need no. <laughs> Kyle Hamilton, you know. No. It, it was just, uh, you know, there's just sort of this, this uh, approach that seems to have worked over the years. And, you know, Picasso's been, uh, been making that work now, too, taking over Ozzy, but He's going to take the best player. And Kyle Hamilton was a guy who his testing norm, numbers are the reason he dropped out of the top ten. But then when it comes down to it, you guys know how this tends to operate, where after you actually get into your pro career, your 40 time is rarely referenced. Right. Either you were in the right spot or you weren't. Either you made the play or you didn't. And so him dropping out of the top ten because he ran a high 4 or 5 40, that's, that, that's kind of what he plays at. But that's fine. That That's plenty of speed to be a safety in the National Football League, especially with the range that he has, with the sheer size that he plays with. He's a bit of a long strider, but that's okay because that's a part of the reason. When he anticipates it, and watch him as, as he gets on the field for you guys, watch the way as the ball's in flight that he tracks it, and it's a beeline. He's not one of these guys that kind of like a, a confused center fielder for the Orioles takes like this – secure in his route, not sure where the ball's going to go. He tracks 
the ball like a wide receiver and has got outstanding ball skills to make a play when he gets there. So it's not necessarily where he needs to display this immense makeup speed to be in the right place at the right time. He understands the game. He can dissect things on pass routes. He's got no problem running the alley and run support as well. He's not you know, going to be the most physical safety in the draft, but he's certainly a sure and a competent tackler. But in coverage, because of the length of his frame, he really covers up because you know when you think about a throwing window, it's not only about whether or not you're fast enough to get your body in position, but once you're there, how much space do you take up? And he's just so long as a defensive back that even if he's a you know three tenths of a second slower, you know than, than someone else who may be playing the same position, because his frame is so long and he anticipates so well while he's tracking the ball. He makes up for that without a doubt. You know, I, I remember Anquan Bolden didn't run a great 40 either once upon a time. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. then a couple years later, the Ravens were desperate to try to go get him. That 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 happens, and sometimes it's not defining thing about a player. I, you know, again, with you on everything you say, and I, and I think what's interesting about it is, like, I think he could genuinely be, you know, this hybrid safety type, this Mike Linebacker type. That that we've sort of I don't know drooled over watching. I remember a couple years ago, and like I was ready for the Ravens to move all the way up to get Isaiah Simmons because I'm like, that's the guy. That's what an NFL defender looks like. And I know Isaiah Simmons hasn't necessarily panned out yet that way, but we were in love with Derwin James once upon a time, and you know, lament the fact the Ravens took Hayden Hurst instead in that first round. I. I genuinely get the feeling that Kyle Hamilton can be that type of unique 2022 NFL hybrid player. He can, and it, it'll really be about how frequently he's deployed in any one spot because for him, his, his best position will be as that, that center fielder, that safety position there, but playing in and around the line of scrimmage, not necessarily on rundowns per se, right. but you know when you're in, and, and the NFL has so much of their sub packages involved now to be in what we you know traditionally have thought of as nickel and dime personnel, he will have a key role in that. So even though you know Baltimore already feels set with perhaps his starting two safeties, you're going to be in five DB sets so frequently, and he understands the game at such a high level. There's not going to be any issue with blown assignments, with, with missed assignments. He, he's not going to get a lot of MAs out there. And even with that, they'll be able to deploy him in a variety of spots that he understands. And I think the approach of, of knowing who these kids are, knowing who both uh, Hamilton and Linderbaum are, and how schematically you deploy them early. Obviously, Tyler Linderbaum is going to be there snapping the ball every single snap. But even with Kyle Hamilton, how you get him onto the field and how you work him into your defense, you know, as a top 15 pick, does he need to be a day-one starter? For a lot of teams, he would need to, but he's essentially a luxury pick for Baltimore. So he can be deployed within their defense if everyone's healthy. He can be deployed in a variety of really unique and creative ways because he's got the skill, the, the acumen to be able to pick those things up, and he's been a playmaker at every level he's been at up until now. All right, Anthony Heron, before I let you go, there are three. The Ravens still have a needed edge rush, and there are three Big Ten edge rushers that are all sitting very near the top of the board of what's available going into day two. And I, I just want to get your thoughts on on who of this group, and it, it's different ways, right? Because one, of course, is David Ajabo, and he's not going to be a guy that's going to help you in week one of this NFL season, mm-hmm. but he's still quite relevant. So Ajabo, of course, Boye Mafe from Minnesota, and Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State. And what you've seen of those guys, the two that could, like, could those other two really be impact players immediately? On, on week one of an NFL season, 
And then how do you measure the value of what David Ajabo could be whenever he's become becomes available in terms of what maybe you might want to see a team do early in round two? Well, because, and it's an outstanding observation on Ajabo, because of the fact that, that his injury is essentially going to have him red shirt for a lot of his rookie year, I do think that he's in a difficult spot. And teams, someone's going to draft him tonight, but it's going to be a difficult spot that they're going to be in because of the fact that he hasn't even played football very long. And so he was going to be a developmental pick anyway with immense skill, with immense pass rushing ability, but he's still figuring that aspect of his game out and he's not an adequate run defender yet. So really it, it was going to have to be to sort of pencil him in as a, as a sort of backup situational pass rush specialist who can affect the game at a high level right off the bat with that. And then hopefully develop year over year into a guy who you can count on snap in and snap out. So now his development arc is going to be set back that much further. And, you know, he's going to eventually become a quality pro, but if you're losing the first couple of years and, you know, if you're not going to have the opportunity now, he's not a first-round pick at that that fifth-year option either, then are you sort of losing the first, not only the first season, but maybe when you factor in getting him back on the field and just sort of teaching him football, especially at the NFL level, you could potentially be two years in before you're really maximizing David Ajabo. So the Ravens, Maybe a team who, who's able to just because of the, the way that their culture sustains. And, you know, they're going to win at a high level regardless. So maybe redshirting a player who needs some extra snaps anyway, if it is at least a year or maybe two years before you're really getting a productive day with a job, maybe the Ravens are the type of team that can sustain that. But that's sort of how I see his game at the moment. Obviously not his rookie year, and I'm, I'm not confident you were going to get a, a lot out of his rookie year either, aside from specifically what I referenced. But then even going beyond that, he, he's really green as a football player, but a whole lot of upside that, uh, that I think a lot of folks saw while he was at Michigan. Now, Boye Mafe is a player who I really think is, is really intriguing because he's coming out of a Minnesota program that isn't known for putting great defenders top to bottom into the National Football League, but people are starting to realize that P.J. Fleck for the the flash and the catchphrases and everything else, but he's really kind of a meat and potatoes guy with his approach to football. And their defense has improved greatly over the last couple of seasons. And Boya Mafia is a big part of the reason why. I'm glad he tested really well at the combine. So he's someone who, you know, the film showed up in testing numbers also. An outstanding pass rusher, really tough guy. And uh, you know, I could see him projecting as someone either with his hand in the dirt or, you know, being a you know sort of a a third down outside linebacker, two-point stand, sort of rush in the player. He's got that type of nimble nature to him. Arnold Abicati is pretty much a hand-in-the-dirt hand sort of guy as far as where he's most effective. He transferred into Penn State this past season. He's got, a, he's got more of a traditional um, you know, four-man front defensive end. The, the, the manner of play, the build, the movement skills are all more your traditional defensive end type. But I, I do believe he'll get drafted tonight, probably early, somewhere in the second round. And someone's going to be really pleased when they get there because they're going to get a guy who can play at a high level on all three downs. I like the sounds of it. Uh, Anthony Heron, you've been so good with your time this morning, my friend. What can I plug for you? Oh, well, I'm, uh, you know, a lot of my stuff I do this part of the year is in Chicago on the radio, but also I do Sirius XM Big Ten Radio Monday through Friday mornings. 
uh, from 7 to 10 a.m. Central, 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern. I took this morning off. Man, we got lucky. Draft. I got some we get, yeah, we yeah, got lucky. I took this morning off. Yeah, I right. additional Bears responsibilities on the radio later today and tomorrow. So I was kind of taking this morning with the family. But you can find me on Twitter at Big Ant Hair. That's where I usually plug my stuff. At Big Ant Hair and give him a follow there. Anthony, seriously, thank you for taking the time for us this morning, man. This was great information. Appreciate you doing it. We'd love to catch up with you again down the road, all right? It's... Well, hopefully next time we talk, I won't be so jealous of the Bears being awful in the draft mm, and the Ravens mm. being outstanding. Every I got, day. I got a bad feeling that it might not be the case. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Right, <laughs> Thank you, brother. Anthony Aaron checking in with us, Big Ten Network, um, as well as six seventy out in Chicago. Um, obviously, very high, very high in what it is the Ravens did. We're going to talk to another guy who's very high in what the Ravens did here in just a second, and Doug Farrar. Hour number one is in the books. A reminder. I need my binder. I'm working on a wrap. A, a reminder. I need my binder. I can't find her. No, I don't have anything else. I'm done. I'm done. That was the end of it. Thanks for picking me up, though, friends. I appreciate that. Thanks for, thanks for being there for me in my time of need. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police. Make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDrecruit.org. Continue to discuss what it is the Ravens did on night one of the NFL draft and a little bit about what they did not do. Joining us now, he, of course, covers the NFL for USA Today. He is our friend Doug Farrar, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Doug, what's going on, brother? Thank you for taking a couple minutes. I think it's early for you, too. Appreciate you doing it. Uh, well, you don't sleep much right now. That's so a good point. Okay. That is a very good point, man. I think I got a solid four hours last night myself. So, uh, that's about it? That's, that's what you take. I, I, I've been a dad for a while, so I'm actually used to it. I'm very functional on four hours of sleep at this point. Oh, there you go. Yes. Doug, um, you, 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 liked, <laughs> you liked what the Ravens did last night. Uh, yeah, I liked it a little bit. Uh, when you get the best player in the draft class at 14, that's a pretty decent deal. Um, and, you know, they go out and get Marcus Williams, the Ravens, uh, $70 million deal, and he's more that free safety. Chuck Clark can play all over the place, maybe more of a box guy. And then you get Kyle Hamilton. He's like Johnny Cash. He's been everywhere. And, well, what has Mike McDonald, the new defensive coordinator, said? It's probably going to be less blitz it's probably going to be more complex coverages. And when you watch Michigan's defense, and when I was studying Dax Hill, who went to the Bengals at 31, I really took a look at Michigan's coverage because their fronts were pretty straight. And when you have Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo as your edge guys, you can play pretty straight fronts. But they did a lot of different things in coverage. And I think the Hamilton pick and McDonald being the D.C., based on what he did at Michigan, I know he was with the Ravens for a long time before that, I think you could see kind of a flipping of the script from the Wink Martindale. The coverage is pretty stable. I mean, they would do different things, obviously, and it's sort of a petri dish up front with all the blitzes. I think what Hamilton allows McDonald to do is call the defenses he wants, which is more three safeties, I guess, in mm-hmm. name, but you've got free box slot. Kyle Hamilton can play corner. He can play a man on tight ends. He can do pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. He's about, and I, I feel like the lightning is going to strike me. So before I say this, understand that I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to have this transformative effect. He's the best safety they've had since Ed Reed. I saw you say that. I saw you say it's, it's always. And it's kind of, well, it's kind of like when Earl Thomas was in Seattle and then they got 
Quindra Diggs to replace Earl. Quindra Diggs is not Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas is a future Hall of Famer. Quindra Diggs is a very good player. But when you have that kind of player on your defense, and he's really sort of the, the key to unlock the door to everything you want to call, that's what I mean. Uh, by the way, Doug also gave this pick an A++++ for the Baltimore Ravens. And i got to be honest with you. I was going to put more pluses in, but I didn't want to mess up the SEO. I didn't want to piss I, off I, Google. I, did, I never got an A++ on any any A++ on any assignment I've ever done in my life. So I've I, never I got, seen I, I, I got some, like, F pluses, you know, <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah, At least you tried is, is what yeah, I right. got a couple of times. Um, I, look, I'm with you on Kyle Hamilton. I, I think he's a hell of a player, and I think his ability to, you know, like play the mic spot and – you know, the, the various things they can do because of it, I think it's tremendous. Obviously, you know, in Baltimore, you measure all these things against what, what they could have done and where there, there would have been need. Um, I, I, I'm still confused about what happened with Jermaine Johnson and why he fell as much as he did. I like Jermaine Johnson a lot. What do you make of the idea that, yes, it's a nice thing to do, but there are, there are still problems that the Baltimore Ravens had defensively maybe that they didn't address by making the Kyle Hamilton pick? Sure. Um, Jermaine Johnson was my edge one, and you can watch him against Boston College just throwing Zion Johnson to the ground, mm-hmm. and against Icky Aquanu, where he you know, was doing that uh, speed counter, and Icky is a great player, but Icky could not keep up with Jermaine Johnson. So with the Jets to trade back in and get him at, what, 26? That's insane. That's just ridiculous. Um, I, don't think, I don't think any NFL team has become better in the last three months than, than the Jets through free agency in the draft. It's kind of crazy. Um, cats and dogs and all that. I mean, they still we, I, we still don't know about their quarterback, though. Well, no, we don't. We really don't. <laughs> There's a lot of YOLO there. Um, I would go, and if that's what Mike McDonald wants to do, which is more straight fronts and more complex coverages, he may have to compromise on that because they don't necessarily have those, you know, I, I like what I saw from Adafi Owe. You know, they, they've got some pieces up front. But if you, and you know this, it's like the old Vic Fangio thing. If you want to play four on the floor and not blitz a lot, well, you'd better have those guys. Mm-hmm. The Ravens under Wink were set up, but we don't need those guys. We'll create pressure through scheme. Yep. So, and the thing is, uh, Evan Kennedy, the kid from Penn State, the, uh, Josh Pascal from Kentucky, who I love, is a multi-gap guy. Um, I didn't think he'd go in the first, but he was my edge five, I believe. I liked him better than Carlathis. Boy, Amafi from Minnesota would fit Baltimore's defense really well. Kind of reminds me of Michael Bennett. So there are still good edge guys on the board. It's an incredibly deep edge class. So when you look at the Ravens and you say, oh, they traded Hollywood Brown, they need a receiver. Well, it's a really deep receiver class. Uh, you can still get a guy like Sky Moore. Um, good Lord, I don't know how George Pickens slipped, except that he was hurt a lot of last year. So to at least two of the positions where they still have needs – are incredibly deep. And, again, when you can get Kyle Hamilton, who plays like a 5'10", 200-pound safety at 6'4", 220, that's the planet theory. There just aren't people like him at his size who can do what he does. So you take that guy. And I mocked him over and over to Kyle Linderbaum at 14 because Eric DaCosta at the combine compared Linderbaum to Marshall Yonda, and I went, What? (laughs) <laughs> yep. Marshall Yonda to me is a future Hall of Famer he's one of the best guards I've ever seen um, and people say well DaCosta does want to smoke I'm like no he didn't have to smoke you don't have to do yeah he could have just said he's a good football player right? <laughs> right exactly so 
I was mocking Linderbaum. I did like five mocks. I think four of them. I mocked Linderbaum to them at 14. And they get him at 25. I mean, what's not to like? Why is his size? We're talking about Doug Farrar from USA Today. Doug, why is his size not that big of a deal? Like, I, and, and, and I, I, I'll say, I think I know that somebody's going to say, hey, look, just because a guy's listed at 296, that's only like five pounds different than being, it's just the shocking idea of the first number of an offensive lineman's weight being a two instead of being a three that we're just not used to. But why isn't it that big of a deal what Tyler Linderbaum's size is? Well, my NFL comp for Linderbaum is Jason Kelsey. Okay. And Jason Kelsey will never, he's not going to be that Ryan Jensen, you know, 320-pound dump truck center. And that, you want different kinds of centers. Baltimore runs an incredibly, uh, I'm telling you this, uh, incredibly diverse run scheme. Yeah. Schemes. Also, it, it's, you know, it's not, some teams are predominantly gap, some teams are predominantly inside or outside zone. Baltimore is like everything. And that's, you know, that's, that's Greg Roman going back to the Niners. They run everything at you. So you need a guy who can kind of do it all. And I would say this about Linderbaum. Are there play strength issues? Yeah. But not, I mean, I've seen 320-pound centers get knocked on their butts more often than not. And it's a matter of leverage and upper body strength and technique. I think Linderbaum checks all the boxes, except that he's not an 18-wheeler coming right at your face. And that's okay. Because I don't think Baltimore wants that. Obviously, they don't want that type of center. They want a move guy. They want a guy who can get to the second level, will not lose interior pressure to either side. And I would say in today's NFL, where you're running 60% quick game in the, pass, in the passing game, the ability to fend off interior pressure is more important than ever. And, you know, look at Baltimore's defense. They steam interior pressure. They want to get to the quarterback before he can get that three-step drop and out. So in Linderbaum's case, I don't think it's a, a, so much of a concern because his, his technique is there, his acumen is there. Is he going to lose a few battles against guys like Vita Vea? Well, sure, but who isn't? I mean, that's fair, of course. That guy's good. Like, there's no doubt about that. But uh, you know, I, and the other thing I, I feel with Tyler Linderbaum is that it seems it seems like he's the type that almost like would be giddy about doing what he's going to be asked to do in this Ravens. Like it, and, and you know, oh, who, any offensive line would love to play. Fair, right? It'd be a road grader, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, look at their guards. Ben Cleveland weighs 9,000 pounds. they got Kevin Zeitler, who is that pole trap, beat-the-living crap out of you guy. And some offensive line coaches, some offensive designers, they prefer a lighter center and heavier guards. That obviously seems to be the way the Ravens are going. And there are a lot of teams that are incredibly successful with that prototype. I mean, the, the Kelsey comp, that's kind of what the Eagles have done through Kelsey's career. So, especially on offensive line, it, it's the individual player to a point, but then you have to look at, okay, what will he be asked to do? And in the run game especially, and also, uh, you know, obviously with Lamar, second reaction, you know, oh, he just bailed again. There he goes out of the pocket. Mm-hmm. I need to now pick up this guy instead of that guy. Linderbaum can do that all day. So, He's a good fit for this particular offense. Would the Tampa Bay Buccaneers want him? Probably not. Would the Seahawks want him? Probably not. But I think he fits just fine for the Ravens. 
All right, I'm going to ask you this question knowing I don't think there's another team that's looking for six fourth-round picks, but I, I bear with me if you don't <laughs> mind, all right? Maybe the Patriots. It, well, that's a good point. Is You mentioned that there's value still at both edge rush and wide receiver, but the Ravens right now have one second-round pick. They have six fourth-round picks. There was a lot made going into the draft about because of the COVID year, because of the guys that didn't come out the previous year, that this was a deeper draft and that there was going to be a lot more value in the fourth round than there would be in a typical fourth round. Is that actually true? Are the Ravens well-served to have this many fourth-round picks, or would they be more well-served to try to see if there is a team that maybe would be interested in like four of those fourth-round picks to try to get an additional second-round pick? Because that's actually where the value is as far as trying to get football players that will help you this season. Well, it's interesting that that flurry of trades starting at 11 yesterday, um, those were for specific, you know, we want this guy. Um, I think based on my evaluation of this year's draft class, it is incredibly deep and not incredibly tall, which is to say that today could be more interesting from a you just made your team better perspective than yesterday was. And that's not always the case. Some drafts are really top-heavy. You could argue that last year's draft was. I think here, from the second to the fourth rounds, even the second to the fifth rounds, you're going to get guys who are going to help your team year one, and it's not because they're a fifth-round talent. It's that, you know They're a third-round talent or a second-round talent. It just so happens that at their position, the boards are compressed that way, and the elevator comes, or the Star Wars trash compactor comes down, and you just get kind of crushed. But... You know, if the Ravens want to move up, it'll be interesting, especially in the first half of the second round, where there's so much talent left. And all these guys overnight in all their 32 facilities have had the chance to sort of restack their boards. And now you get, you know, these other teams who didn't have first round picks, now they're coming in. Um, it may be tough for any team to trade up into, say, this first half of the second round. Okay. Because I think in this particular draft, the teams that are there are going to have guys they just covet. Okay. So that'll be really interesting to see. Is there is there talent in the fourth? Is it is, is there are yeah. there guys that can help on day one in the fourth round? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think in this particular class, absolutely. From the second to the fifth rounds, it's about as deep as I've seen it. I've been covering right. this full time since two thousand nine. All right. We will see how it plays out. Doug, what can I plug for you, my friend? I know you are a very busy man right now. Well, we did. Uh, I did all the uh, analysis and grades for each of the 32 first-round picks on Touchdown Wire. Uh, pop that into a grade listicle. Uh, we have the best players left after the first round, which Ravens fans might be interested in. And my colleague Mark Schofield put up his second-round mock. You can find it all right now by going to usatoday.com, Touchdown Wire, of course, at NFL underscore Doug Farrar is where you follow him. My friend, greatly appreciate you. Let's do this again very soon. Thank you for taking the time for us. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks. Doug Farrar checking in with us here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that. Again, you got to like what it is that you're hearing. You know, it doesn't change the fact that there are needs and that not all of those needs can be addressed with one second round pick. But you got to like what you're hearing about these players. Paul, if you could, um, I just sent you a link. Pull up your email on this computer, on this computer, because we're going to share. Uh, Hollywood Brown went on the I Am Athlete podcast, and some of his comments are now kind of flying around this morning about asking for a trade. 
and I have not heard it yet. I've just seen what other people have said about it. So it's an opportunity for me to hear directly from Hollywood Brown uh, what the answer is as to why it is that he requested a trade from the Baltimore Ravens and we won't have to surmise anything any longer. We can we can hear it from the man. Like we hadn't heard it, you know, this offseason. So you specifically asked the Ravens for a trade. Yeah, I asked them for a trade after the season. Um, it was just some like my my happiness. I mean, I talked to Lamar about it, you know, after my second year. And, you know, then I, after my third year leading up to the end of the season, you know, he wasn't playing. You know, I, I let him know again, like, yeah, bro, I can't do it. And, you know, it's not really on Lamar. Like, I love Lamar. It was just, you know, it's just the system wasn't for me personally. You know, I love all my teammates. You know, I love the guys. But it was just, you know, something I had to think about for myself. And, you know, the, the Ravens, did. we both handled it the right way. You know, I didn't go out and make anything public. You know, I just kept it kept it in house, kept working. And, you know, it all it all worked out. So he like says he says it's the system. Jordan, what's your, your, your you? Jordan wants to say something. I don't know. I I just personally, I feel like yeah, yeah. Obviously, part of it's the system, but at the same time, he he hasn't said anything to the fan base yet. Mm-hmm. We all know how the fans have ridiculed him, mm-hmm. even though he wasn't maybe doing his job properly. Mm-hmm. And so, part of me thinks that it it. It was the fans, like it was. It, I, and we're we're speculating, yeah, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, <clears throat> I do think that the more appropriate response would be to say, "Well, dude, what would your numbers have been if you had made the plays that you left on the field? Would That's would, fair. would the system have been the same problem if you had made all of those plays? If what you're afraid of is that you're not going to get paid like other receivers are getting paid because of the system that you're in." that it just doesn't present the same opportunities as are presented in other places, I hear you. But you're, you're taking accountability away from yourself in that process. Hollywood Brown, I've said before, I think is a very good football player. I think he's been a productive player. I think there are places where he could have been even more productive than he's been so far. But that doesn't change the fact that he's also been at partly responsible for why he hasn't been more productive himself. And even if he goes and is productive somewhere else, I still don't think there's a world in which Hollywood Brown is A.J. Brown no. or Hollywood Brown is Debo Samuel or Hollywood Brown is even Terry McLaurin. Well, those guys are all massively and, bigger than he is. And ho- Hollywood Brown put up, he had a 1,000-yard receiving year. Like that, in that, 17 games. That, that's what he's going to be. I, you say that. I... I get it. DeAndre Hopkins is out there, and so how much opportunity really is there? Well, somebody would say there's so much attention going DeAndre Hopkins' way, there could be more opportunity, and that they are going to throw the ball a ton in Arizona. And so there there just could be the opportunity for you to almost accidentally stumble into a 1,200, 1,300-yard season because of it, something along those lines. I don't know. I don't think Hollywood Brown is ever going to be paid the amount of money that A.J. Brown just got paid. But it does speak to the problem that we all – we all talked about a lot, but have wanted to pretend would go away because Lamar Jackson has been so good, which is that this system does suppress numbers, pure numbers for wide receivers. And that is problematic when you're trying to add wide receivers. 
and maybe is a statement about the need to draft them. There's also, look, there's the part of this where you've got all these young receivers and you haven't given them a look and maybe you need to see if they can play at some point, but I wouldn't be counting. That wouldn't be the way that i go with my number two wide receiver position. I would not be banking on someone from this group establishing themselves. I would need someone that I feel a little bit more strongly about as my number two wide receiver in this mix. All right, we're into hour number two of the program. Let's find out a little bit more about the Baltimore Ravens' new center. We always love an excuse to bring our next guest on the show because he is, of course, a former Ravens assistant and now, I believe, the longest tenured coach in all of college football. He is Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's always great to catch back up with you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. My pleasure, Glenn. Good, uh, good to talk to you. Well, I imagine it's got to be a very exciting time for your program, coming off a great season as well. Take me back. What was the first memory that you have of learning about Tyler Linderbaum or getting to know him? What was your first interaction with him like? Well, you know, we, we, uh, he's a local guy. He, he grew up, um, you know, probably about 15 miles from here, 18 miles from here. So we, we knew an awful lot about him. He was a multi-sport athlete in high school. And, and the one thing that really stood out, whatever he did, he did really well, just in quality fashion. Uh, his dad's an educator and coach. Uh, mom's a great person. And I actually knew his granddad uh, back in the 80s when I was here as an assistant. Uh, I got to know him a little bit. So, um, you know, it was, it was one of those guys we knew a lot about playing high school athletics. And, uh, you know, probably as noteworthy as anything is, uh, you know, he's really accomplished Obviously, the the wrestling they showed some yep. of the wrestling last night. Yeah, uh, pretty impressive. You know, to go up against a guy like Tristan Horst and unbelievable, but you know the two of those guys in such close proximity. Um, so that was impressive. And he also is a really good baseball player, and you, you don't find a lot of guys uh, that do that anymore in, in our state. They play that in the summertime. So you think about a guy like Josie Jewell, who's with the uh, Denver Broncos. Yeah, um, really good baseball player and. Micah Hyde was an outstanding baseball player as well. So um, it's, it's kind of unusual, but a real you know unique skill set that way. And uh, probably the most important, impressive thing about Tyler is just the kind of young guy he is. He's a really tremendous person, uh, extremely competitive in a, in a very quiet way, but extremely competitive and extremely tough-minded. Coach, I'm sure you know you've gotten a billion questions about Tyler's size, right? And and we're not used, we're just not used to seeing offensive linemen whose first number in their weight is a two, and not a three. Um, why has it not mattered? What makes him so special that that he can play at such a high level at you know at his size? Yeah, I got I got to share this with you. So you know, it was a hundred years ago when I went to the NFL. It was 1993. And uh, my first call of duty was going to the, the combine. And, uh, you know, one of the first things they do, the first thing they did, at least that I went to, is uh, when they walk everybody in just in a pair of shorts. And uh, I'd kind of gotten a message, or at least the theme was, if you're not 300, you're not anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, all I remember is seeing a lot of really bad-looking bodies uh, that day. And it really uh, kind of like is, is burnt into my memory bank. Uh, and I still, I still don't feel a lot different. I mean, there are a lot of guys that carry weight that doesn't look so good on them or they don't carry it so well. Uh, I just talked about Tristan Orris. He, he would definitely be an exception to that, that, uh, definition there. But, um, you know, I think, I think it's overrated me personally. And, you know, the other, other thing I learned in the NFL guys, guys keep growing, they keep developing. So, uh, but I told the folks coming through 
the past two years about Tyler. He's never going to, if you need a guy that's going to be 6'4", 320, and some people have those specs, you know, that that's not him. You need a guy that's going to block people and just be uh, an unbelievable team member, unbelievable guy in the locker room. Um, you know, be, be good in everything that you're asking a guy to be good in. Uh, it's, it's Tyler, you know, and I, you know, the, the latest uh, discussion was about his arm length, and we, we've had apparently several guys with short arms coming out of here, but they've gone on and had really good careers, and I think it's because of their uh, focus, their determination, uh, the pride that they have, and, and the way they, they practice, prepare, and then the way they compete. And uh, certainly there, there's absolutely no reservations on Tyler. He's just uh, – you know, he's just a tremendous uh, individual and a tremendous team member. He is Kirk Ferentz, Iowa football coach. He's with <laughs> us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Coach, the um, the, the fit, you, you know what the Ravens are doing here. They're running the ball, and it's a Greg Roman offense, and, and they that's what they want to do, and, and it's not going to change uh, this year. The idea of Tyler and his personality and the idea that, the, the idea that he could be just a road grader type what type of fit do you think uniquely he is in Baltimore, given what it is the Ravens want to do? Uh, he, he certainly uh, does not object to run blocking. Yeah. At all. He's really good at it. and His uh, really unusual quickness. Um, you know, I know he tested well on his pro day, and that's coming off of a foot injury, mid-foot injury from the bowl game. Uh, tested very well, but, you know, the, the tests are important. I'm not minimizing those, but... Um, you know, when you turn a film on like that, that's really where you see what a guy is or what a player is. And, uh, my sister could watch his film and tell you that, you know, he's got exceptional quickness and just, uh, not only can he get to a, a place where he needs to be, but he can get there with leverage and, and uh, good pad level. And that, that's, you know, that makes him a little bit unique. And then when he engages with guys, uh, he understands leverage totally and is really good at it, both, you know, pad under pad leverage. And then also, uh, getting in, keeping his hands, elbows inside, where he can really work on on his opponent. So, um, you know, he, he just uh, he's, he's a really proficient player that way. And the other part about it, and I, you know, simple as this sounds, but I think it's true on a, a great defensive player, a great offensive player, um, and for a lineman, you know, it starts with wanting to block guys. And, and I know that sounds kind of stupid, but I, I really believe that some guys just want to do it more than others. And uh, I think the same way on defense, like, you know, some guys really want to tackle people and uh, other guys are lukewarm on that. And uh, that, that sounds pretty primitive and basic, but it, I think it's true. I mean, just, you know, think about the great players that have played sure. at Baltimore. hundred percent. On the other side of the ball. And I was there when Ray Lewis was a rookie. Yep. And believe me, he, want, he wanted to get to the ball and tackle <laughs> right, that guy. Right. Like that was, he was pretty prominent. They probably say the same about Ed Reed. Um, you know, so it's just, you know, that, that's what it's all about. And, uh, Jonathan Ogden, you know, that was my first year there was, uh, you know, the year we got Ray and uh, Jonathan. And uh, Jonathan was a, a freakish person athletically and, and mentally. Uh, but the thing I always tell people about him, I think that made him so exceptional is he just had a tremendous level of pride, you know, laid back and give you that laid back stuff kind of looked like he was. But boy, when he was on the field, he, he did not want to make a mistake and he did not want to get beat or lose his edge. And, you know that that that's really what drives uh, great players, in my opinion. And um, you know, time will tell what kind of career Tyler has in the NFL. But I can tell you from our standpoint, he's had a great career here. And probably the first game that pops to mind uh, this year for me was the Illinois game, where uh, most most normal people would have not played that day. He was he was really fighting the fever, had the flu, wow. 
and then, you know, it spread to our entire team the next week. Uh, that's another story. But, um, you know, he, he found a way to, to play and play well in that game. And, you know, those, those are the kinds of things that, uh, you know, to me really tell you about a guy, the way he's wired and, um, you know, what he's willing to do for the benefit of the team. I want to I make a promise. We're not going to share that as uh, Tyler Linderbaum gave the entire team the flu. I want to make that very clear. We're not going <laughs> to well, share I'm not saying he gave yeah. it. Yeah, we're not going to. I don't know about COVID. I know one thing. The flu went through our place Oof. Uh, Oof. last November, and it was a little dicey there. So. Oof. Uh, yeah, we, we didn't have much COVID issue, but we sure had the flu. Oof. All right, uh, uh, Coach, you know, the guy that you described there reminds me an awful lot of Marshall Yonda, frankly. And we know that Tyler Linderbaum spent time with Marshall Yonda. Did you get a sense for what he took from that time, what it meant to him? And, and you know, Eric DaCosta made that comparison at the Combine between the two of them. I, I know it's so lofty that we don't like making these types of comparisons because, my God, what a standard that is that we're talking about with Marshall Yonda. But do you see some similarities there? Well, you know, one is in, in the draft process and, and difference, in, obviously, is, you know, Tower went in the first round, but not uh, Marshall didn't. But, you know, the, the thing I told people about Marshall back uh, when he was playing for us, uh, I told them they're going to experience the same thing we did, you know, when – uh, when he got to campus, you know, we thought maybe we made a mistake uh, watching him in the winter program because he wasn't the prettiest guy, uh, maybe doing some athletic stuff, you know, just non-contact type drills. But uh, the day we put pads on first uh, first week in spring practice, uh, practice number three, uh, he went from being a guy I thought we might have to redshirt to like this might be our best lineman. After one practice, he might be the best lineman on our team. And it turned out he was. Uh, but my point there is that you know, he had warts, quote-unquote warts, but when it came time to play football, uh, nobody did it better. And uh, so, you know, Marshall was like clockwork. If, if his uh, old blue pickup truck wasn't out there in the off season, that meant he was ice fishing or doing whatever else he did. He liked to ice fish and snowmobiles, things like that. Right. But, uh, right. you know, so he was around, he's been around this building an awful lot when he was playing, I mean, routinely and just trained uh, at a really high level. And, so any of our guys were paying attention, and certainly Tara Linderbaum was. Um, you know, just having having a guy like Marshall in the building is so so you know valuable to us. And and I think if you ask Tower, you know, he learned just just from watching. You just watch how Marshall does things, the way he operated. And I know a lot of our guys watched him in the NFL. Um, yeah, it's a great learning opportunity. And um, like Tower, I mean, Marshall's just a first class person. You know, great 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 human being, great guy to have on the team, and. Uh, I think there's a lot of value in that on at any level, college football, uh, college football, professional football, certainly high school football. When you you got to have good players, but it, when you have guys that really um, are wired a little different, that really helps. You say wired a little bit different. Marshall was wired quite. I mean, this is the man that would mm-hmm. you know be willing to get tased for money, or would be willing you know like when on the coldest day of the year would go put water in his beard so it would freeze and nobody could grab it and it would slide off. I mean, he was a psychopath, Marshall Yonda. Is is is, is any of that rubbing off on Tyler Linderbaum? Like, will we see well, him in short sleeves in January in Baltimore? Yeah, it might be a little sneaky, but I think I think anybody that's really good at what they do, they tend to be a little bit off-center. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure Tyler's got his, he's got a few quirks too or a few uh, things that might be interesting, but... Um, yeah, he won't draw a lot of attention to himself. That's just not not his way, but he will uh, through production and the way he plays. And 
his effort, and that's uh, yeah, that's what you're looking for. How about this pipeline that's uh, that's been existing for the last couple of years? Gino's still here. Christian Welch is still here. That's been a, a pretty good little Iowa to Baltimore thing the last couple of years for you. I'm, I'm thrilled to death, and it's uh, you know, it's just it's so neat to see um, what's going on in Baltimore again. I was in on the front end when we moved yeah. into the the old police barracks out there, and uh, had shag carpet in there, all that stuff. So it was kind of yeah, what what a uh, change, and, and uh, just the way things have developed. And, and I think another cool thing about it, you know, you think about Ozzy was was not formally the GM, but he was the GM when we came in '96. And I've told so many people. Um, I know Ozzy was a Hall of Fame player, great football player. Uh, it's not even debatable. Uh, I don't know if it's possible, but in my mind, he should be an NFL. Hall of Fame general manager also. I don't know if you can get reelected you know, going <laughs> two levels, but yeah. um, you know, he just had such a good way about him, such a good uh, feel for things and feel for people and works so well with people. So, you know, but you think about that and Eric, uh, Eric was just a really young guy uh, back in 1996 who was just kind of like, you know, getting some traction and, you know, learning the game and learning the business and all that. And just to, to see how all of that's uh, developed and you got a lot of people in the building who were there. Uh, 25 years ago so um just the growth the development you know it's, it's really it's so easy to cheer for them and you know first class ownership so um you know and i always tell guys in recruiting you know you don't in recruiting you get to choose where you're going if you're lucky enough to play in the nfl at least for the first four or five years you don't get that option and um for tower to end up in a great organization uh like he has with uh you know a team that's got such proud tradition and is you know, sitting right there uh, in great position to be in the thick of things next year. It's He's really fortunate in that regard. I think it's a, a win-win situation for yeah, everybody. It's very cool. Coach Kirk Ferentz, I know it's a busy time for you. Greatly appreciate taking a couple of minutes for us. May, may we be doing this every year because you continue to send us a pipeline of great football players. All right? Thank you for checking I, in. I hope we have somebody every year. That'd be great. Appreciate you, Coach. Thanks, man. Coach Kirk Ferentz, uh, longest tenured coach in all of college football and of course former Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator and um, some great stuff about Tyler Linderbaum and you know you're you're excited about him you feel good about it today there's not a football game to be played for a little while so we it will take some time before we have uh, any definitive answers about it but boy it's hard not to react to the things that everybody's been saying this morning about these two picks and say yeah I feel really good about these picks as we keep going back to there's still a number of holes, and it's going to be tough to fill all of them before week one. It's going to be tough to be confident about everything the Ravens bring to the table before week one. So, I really think that the Ravens are going to do something regarding wide receiver outside of the draft. I don't think that they're going to go into the draft thinking we're going to get a guy who can put a who we can put on the other side of Rashad Bateman uh, in this draft. Uh, I feel like they're going to do something, whether it's via trade or free agency, because I feel like they have to. It's just so little available in free agency that I think is actually helpful. You know, like it's to me, it's Jarvis Landry, and and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't understand why Jarvis Landry is still out there. Like I, if it's just about him wanting a certain dollar amount that nobody's willing to offer him, okay. But I don't know if the Ravens can offer him that dollar amount. Mm-hmm. I I have to know why it is that Jarvis Landry is is there. You know, he's been through a lot. He's been banged up as hell the last few years. I mean, Jarvis Landry's a player. He's a dog, mm-hmm. man. Um, I love Jarvis Landry. I, I think he's a damn good football player. I, I'm for it. 
right? right. I'm I'm for it. G- given his size and how much he was, he had to be targeted and used in Cleveland because Odell Beckham was either ineffective or just not on the field. Uh, do you think that he that it's more so because people are looking at him as a secondary option? He's looking at himself still as a number one guy because I feel like at this point in his career, he's got to be willing to take a little bit lesser of a role. Which on the Ravens, I think that would be a perfect a perfect spot for him. I would think so too. Um, he did go through. He revealed after the season that he went through an MCL sprain and a partial quad tear. So. Mm. You know, those are concerning things. Now, he was playing, right? Like, Quad tears are no joke. I, that, so you got to know. And that might be part of the story of why it is that Jarvis Landry is still available at this point. Because it is confusing to me. Why would Sammy Watkins be employed and Jarvis Landry is not employed? No well, offense. That's, that's money. Well, yeah, because he was, just, was willing to take nothing, essentially, to yeah. go play football. Maybe, maybe. Or it might be money meeting reality, right? Like, it, Which is the reality of what, Jar- to your point, what Jarvis Landry wants in a role I mean, he was down visiting in New Orleans, wasn't he? Like, you would think that there would be an opportunity. I know they've now drafted Chris Olave, but before that, like, there was an opportunity there mm-hmm. for Jarvis Landry to maybe not be the number one guy, but to be the number two guy. I, I don't know. I mean, and we still don't even know. If, I, who knows what Michael Thomas is ever going to be again? I, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen there. I am confused. It's like the way that I feel about Jermaine Johnson falling last night. There's right. got to be something more to the story about Jarvis Landry still being out there. And and it it's why I was nervous last night when the Ravens had their second pick. I was like, I want it to be Jermaine Johnson, but do I want it to be Jermaine Johnson? That's how I felt. Why is he why is he here? Like there's got to be a reason. It should I be scared of it being Jermaine Johnson? I, it wasn't, of course. He ended up going to the Jets to pick later. Um, and we'll remember that, by the way. We'll file that away eternally. We'll file both of those away. We'll we'll file away that the Eagles moved up and got Jordan Davis. So we'll file that away. And five years down the road, the same way we remember Derwin James and Hayden Hurst, we'll, we'll think about that. We'll think about if Kyle Hamilton's been good, but Jordan Davis has become the best defensive lineman not named Aaron Donald in all of football – We'll remember that, and it will sit poorly with us. And we'll definitely remember Jermaine Johnson. Yeah. If Jermaine Johnson becomes a rock star edge rusher, we will struggle with that forever. Even if Tyler Linderbaum's a, a solid center, because it's center, you know, like even if he's a good football player, it's going to be hard to compare that to what a quality edge rusher would be. Especially since they haven't had one in five years. Yes. Yes. I mean, a high level edge rusher. Yeah. They've had. They had guys, but no no double-digit sack guys since 2017. 100%. All right. Um, We are behind, and and I can't stay late today because we got to get out to uh, uh, the the cash show. We're doing the cash show today. Uh, When we come back in, we will do uh, Young Utes. We will do Did This Really Happen? And, uh, you know, more of your thoughts. I've gotten a ton of them throughout the morning. Ackland Clark Radio on Twitter about the Ravens and what they did and did not do. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 
mdgamblinghelp.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com stay tuned your chance to win a million dollars is coming up probably not from us you're listening to glenn clark radio what did you ever watch american vandal did you ever it was one it was a great show i, I never watched it's american vandal <sighs> you go back and watch wasn't uh, jimmy tatro wasn't he part of that I got on mute myself. I only do wait, this wait. every day. Um, <laughs> We're struggling. Um, I watched the show. It was hysterical. It I was didn't. Wa- I didn't watch the second incredible. season. I had no interest in the second season. Nuts. Second season was also wonderful. It was it really. Oh, it was so wonderful. I'll have to check it out. It was gross. It was grosser than the first season was. Mm-hmm. But it was also it. The it's just the the parody is so good. And it's oh, it's such a good show. I just I I, the first season. I just love how he's adamant that he didn't do this the entire time. In the uh-huh. last episode, they just have video evidence yeah, of him 100%. doing it and then doing it again. See, I, I it's ad- exactly I ad- the plot. I admit of American- it. I admit it. I right. did it though. Right. They, but apparently, apparently, the, the answer to the legendary question: Who drew the dicks? The answer is actually Lil Jordan. <laughs> like, come to find out, who, who? all these. Five years later, we finally got the answer to the question that was posed in the first season of American I, Vandal. I just don't understand who comes to a bar, buys someone shots, and then goes, here's a and, paint and, yeah, marker. And doesn't expect them to draw yeah. some dicks. Here's, I get it. Here's right. a paint marker. Go have fun tonight. Sure. I'm going to go have fun tonight. Man, people can like 
see you like on this show. Yeah, you are admitting <laughs> the the crimes. I don't know if you know that. Like I, uh, I'm concerned I'll, for your I'll, future. Yeah. I'll, I'll maybe I'll clean it up. Okay. We're, we'll splice the video too today. So <laughs> <laughs> he is a video editor. Glenn, Glenn and oh. John call you into their office after oh, the show. Jordan, we gotta talk. It's uh, it's good content and all, but uh, what are you doing, guy? What exactly are you doing? All right. Um, we've done all our draft coverage that we're going to do for the morning. And uh, Ken and I will be with you tomorrow afternoon for a recap show. And, uh, of course, Reed and I will be doing the Sunday show, 1 to 4 on the fans. So there'll be plenty more draft conversation. But we've done – I'm drafted out at this point. I've said everything that I can say about what the Ravens have and have not done. You've still got six rounds to go. Uh, yeah. Well – the Ravens don't have a pick in the fifth or the seventh round, right? Yeah. So it's really that fourth round. Yet. It's insane. Yeah, it's a good point. God, that fourth round. Jesus Christ, six fourth round picks. We were so nervous they were going to trade back into the first round. I'm sitting here barely able to keep my... It was a long day for me yesterday. Yeah, sure. And we, I was barely it was able a long to day my... for all of us. <laughs> yeah. It was a long day in general. It was a long... I had that. And then, you know, I... In order to, to figure out who should be reaching out to. So I didn't even, you know, when I'm doing these events in the casino, I can't spend even a minute thinking about anything. Like, we're, they're active. Like, I don't even have a commercial break to spend thinking about something else. So we got, I got home at 12.15 or so, and then I'm like, oh, crap, I still probably have another hour and a half worth of work to do to just go through and figure out what it is that we're going to do as far as the show today and oh, coverage. And, yeah, it was not pleasant. It was not pleasant at all but um we we did everything we could now we're gonna have some fun to wrap up the show who goes first this week who's up first i think jordan got both two weeks ago because he wasn't here last week so i think jordan's up first all right wasn't bad. Yeah, that's why it was one, one of my of better, better ones. ones. Yeah, one of my better ones. Maybe I should suck down extra strength. What is it? Sepical? Sepical? Maybe I should suck those down more often. Uh, Young Utes brought to you today by Glory Days Grill. The spring seasonal menu is available at Glory Days Grill. It includes the opener, the the flash fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce. Also includes the Cracker Jack Sunday with the waffle, the ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. The baseball cut sirloin, the strawberry salmon salad, and so much more. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website. Get your order in right now. Glory Days Grill, good f- or great food, good sports. What are the young youths talking about? Netflix dropped a grotesque amount of money. For each episode of Stranger Things season four coming out soon, it was thirty. Maybe that's why they're in trouble. Yeah, thirty million dollars each episode. What? Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, thirty is million. That, wait, and is, it's a two Jordan, Is that real? Who's yeah. reporting? No, that? no, no. This. this Who's reporting? Like, Who's reporting this, it? Well, this is coming from. Uh, con- this is the Wall Street Journal, actually. Right. Yeah, it's fairly reputable. So. <sighs> It it doesn't say uh, I oh nine episodes, thirty million dollars per episode. Series is going to be two seventy million. It costs them to produce. I mean that is bonkers. People people are comparing it to. They're saying it should amount to the hype as the last season of Game of Thrones 
I mean, for that amount of money, it should amount to the hype of like Jaws. I mean, it should yeah. amount to the hype of Independence Day for that amount of money. Holy f! I here's my problem. I like Stranger Things. I'm not a sci-fi guy, so I deal with the sci-fi. And Stranger Things, as the show has gone on, has has shaded more and more sci-fi, less and less coming of age. And the coming-of-age part of it is the part that I enjoyed the most about Stranger Things. I loved the interactions with the kids and making fun of each other and that side of things. That was one of my, my favorite part about Stranger Things. I love coming-of-age movies for the most part, right? It's why Superbad, for example, is maybe the greatest comedy of this century, but it's also because it's an incredible coming-of-age film. I love the dealing with the awkwardness and the stupid ways that you felt when you were a certain age and you remember it so well. I think that's what makes media so good is it touches on how you felt. Stranger Things presented that within a sci-fi, which I liked, but they went more and more heavy to the sci-fi and further and further away from the interpersonal relationships and the coming of age. They were focusing more on, like, Winona Ryder's character and... Um, the hell is the David Harbour? David Harbour. But what, what's what's his He's name? The it's, sheriff. I know, but what's yeah, his name? It's they were focusing more on that and getting away from the kids. And I thought the kids and their inner what? Bob Hopper. 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 Thank Hopper. you. It's exactly right. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, thank you, Cass. It's been two years. I don't know how any of you guys remember any of the names. I'm a yeah. big Stranger Things. Fan. I like Stranger Things. I do so. too. So. Thing. I like Stranger. I remember things. no names or but, what, even what happened. But at 270 million dollars, what it says to me is it's all sci-fi now. Like, oh, you're yeah. not spending that money on a coming-of-age story. Like, it's they're just going all in on these monsters. And Which made, I mean, if season four was like that. I, I, they had definitely gone, as I said, they had kept shifting further away. I'll compare it to um, It. I like It, but I didn't like It Part 2. Do you love it? Do you mm-hmm. want some more of it? Yeah, thank you. Very, very good. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> Did the Predators still play that when they score goals? I actually... As a Coyotes fan, I would like watch games, and the Predators would always that was their song because I think Tim McGraw owns the team or part of the team or something oh. like that. So they would play that, and I would always be singing along at home. And I despite do love the fact Tim that I'm not gonna go that far, but I do like that song. I do like that song. And did he do uh, uh, the barbecue stand on my white mm-hmm. T-shirt? Yeah, I do like that song too. That's a that one's a winner. Something anyway, like that. Yeah. Anyway, the moral of the story is this kind of disappoints me in a way. Because I wish they were doing more of the storytelling and less of the monsters. But I still like the show. I'll still watch it. I'll still be excited for it. I just, I, I like storytelling. I, I prefer storytelling to sci-fi almost always. Almost always I prefer the storytelling to the sci-fi. Next. Oh, do the young youths care about it? I think they care. But I was going to say, I think that the money isn't going towards the sci-fi. I think it's like paying for Gucci. Like it's like paying for the name. Like that's what it is. Like Stranger Things is one something that's brought a lot to you think, Netflix. But you think they're paying the actors? Well, no. So it says actually the uh, the older actors are making three hundred fifty thousand dollars an episode. Which, by the way, sounds. I mean, you have big name actors in there. But in comparison, I actually think that sounds like a like reasonable the, amount of numbers. Friends of guys used to make like twenty yeah, million right? an episode. Yeah. So and ridiculous. That's crazy. And the the younger guys, like. The like Finn Wolfhard, right. they're making two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, that doesn't sound like that sounds like it's all going to the 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 special effects oh, yeah. and the the insane things they and to do. make up for, uh, I guess, or I guess they they I lost mean, Net- all Netflix money. needs yeah. this to be a massive. They oh, yeah. need this to be the biggest thing that ever happened to television. Although they got Ozark back today, 
Yeah, but it's not new. Like it is, but it isn't. Like I feel like Stranger Things. Like people have been waiting for this, and like it's they're hyping it up. So this, at the end of the this day, this was it's, supposed it's to be out be like good. what a year and a half, exactly. two years ago. Yeah. The real problem they have is that Ozark's over. This is it for Stranger Things. What? After that, what? Right, exactly. like, they have a bunch of movies that people don't want to watch, and, and that's that is charging you extra to let people share your. Account. And this like, is the problem: They're, the movie thing. I liked it at first. I liked the idea of here are these Hollywood caliber movies that you get directly to Netflix. Mm-hmm. But what makes Netflix, what made Netflix stand out, was their shows. It was House of Cards. It was their original shows that became absolute must watch for everyone. And when these end. Um, there's no more unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. There's no more like what what is there? What is the show after Stranger Things that is a Netflix property that you you are demanding the next season of? Are they still making Black Mirror? I don't know. Ugh, I don't know. So irrelevant. It was never. It oh, was never for I, me. Oh, I love. I liked it at first. But it, and people liked it, but it wasn't on this level. Or, is that the yeah, one where oh, the no, guy yeah. shot himself with a shotgun like right at the beginning of the first episode? It's it, each episode is a different plot. Yeah, and oh, I was then, no, I'm thinking and I was different. traumatized after the pig episode. I well, couldn't the, do it. The, after pig the, first one. the pig episode wasn't. Uh, I was traumatized. That that and Love Death Robots. Love Death Robots is really good too. Okay. But next one next. is Quavo is from, from Migos. Yes, is set to star in a new action thriller film called Takeover, which is going to be produced by Quality Control's new film branch, Quality Films. Quality Control's the record label. Sure. And so he doesn't know that. And so Quavo, he's I personally found Is he the his, one the which one uh, he, is he he, he No, no, it's Offset who's with Cardi B, right? I think so. Yeah. And Quavo had appearances in Atlanta. It was actually really good. Uh, somebody appearance. points out Bridgerton. Is, Br- there, is there another season of Bridgerton coming on Netflix? It literally now. just came out. I but watched like, are they, it all are, in one but night. But they're doing more. They're, this isn't the end of Bridgerton. Yeah, so they do a have, lot of books. Okay, so they do have Bridgerton. That's now, it's not It's not one. for me, but it's massive. It's I want to say it's like the most watched, watched show it. of all time or something like so that. So good. Oh, my God. But, but yeah, he, he appeared in Atlanta, Narcos, Mexico. Narcos, good mm-hmm. show. Good mm-hmm. show, too. Uh, and Blackish. And but Takeover will be his first starring role in a film. He'll play Guy Miller, a super slick former crook who's trying to get his life back on track when it becomes derailed by opportunities that bring him back into Atlanta's Atlanta's dangerous street racing scene. Okay, but like is this a real It's it's going to happen, yeah. Like, but is like, this a real movie or is this like a movie that's gonna end up on you know, on HBO Hulu, Max. yeah, right. Like nobody's gonna ever notice it. Like, is this it, a real? The the film is written by Jeb Stewart. I don't. That doesn't he, mean it. You're he, not. He wrote. He wrote Die Hard and The Fugitive. He wrote the original Die Hard. Yes. Mm. Oh well, that's a big deal. That's yeah. that's, uh, that's very important. He's previously written for classic action. Yeah, the originals no. and no. directing duties will be handled by Trioscope Chief Creative Officer Greg. Joint, I'm gonna butcher his name. Jankajitis. Sure. Who directed Jankajitis. Netflix's? It sounds like a tooth disease. Yeah, yeah. it does. <laughs> he directed Netflix's The Liberator. Never heard of it. Okay. Did did the, did the young youths care no, about? Absolutely yeah, not. It didn't sound like about Quavo. I, I think they care about him, but I just don't think this I is the like problem. Gives a sh- like DM. Oh, whoa, Sorry. easy over there. Oh, oh, that was What's aggressive. going on over there? 
Um, I like how she tried to censor herself and still said the word like, anyway, but just yeah. right, Like rappers have made a <laughs> billion like movies over the years. Some of them, like Ludacris, became an actor, right? Like yeah. some of them have become legitimate actors. A lot of them, Bow Wow made movies. Like Lud- lots of rappers have made movies over the years. I have no idea whether this is actually a thing or not. Yeah. Lud- Ludacris had a phenomenal performance at uh, the NBA uh, skills performance. Uh, if you say so. Yeah. I, that does not do anything for me. But wow. he was also in... I mean, Ludacris was literally in a Best Picture winner at the Oscars. Yeah. He was part of uh, Crash, which some people say is the worst Best Picture winner in Oscars history. But they, it won. I mean, like, Ludacris became an actor. Not just the, the Fast and the Furious movies. Like, he became an actor. So plenty of actors can... Or plenty of rappers can act. I just don't... I have no idea if this is... We might revisit this... Whenever this movie comes out, and you might say like, "Dude, it's the biggest movie in the world. Everybody cares about it." Yeah. But right now, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I think I'm with this cats. last one. Has yeah, to, you better, you better get this. Be Megan Fox on drinking drops of MGK's this is so blood weird. This is, for ritual this is, purposes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, yeah they like, use I, care. I, I, I love the fact that by the way, and you, you can tell the story. I love. She's like, "Hey, we just do it for a ritual." Like, oh. Well, that's all it is, you crazy kids. That explains that. And, yeah, and and so uh, she goes, her quote was, I guess to drink each other's blood might mislead people, or people are imagining us with goblets, and we're like Game of Thrones, drinking each other's I blood. She says, I guess to drink might be misleading, because all we do is drink each other's blood. And yeah, and she goes, it's just a few drops. Yeah, that's but it. yes, that's we, not weird. We do consume each other's blood on occasion for ritual purposes only. She literally said in an interview too. She was like, "I'm not really one to like cut myself open like a lot, but like um, talking about Machine Gun Kelly, like he's really big big into it, and he'll like just rip his whole chest open and want me to drink it from Holy his chest. Holy what? And I'm just, it was in an interview like like on video and everything and she was just smiling the entire time and I was like are you okay? Okay. They're they're cra- they're, they're like crazy. they're like absolutely absolute The youths care by the way. Right, so right, no, right, yeah, there's no doubt. These these people. Um Paul, does Mrs. Valley listen to the program? Sometimes. Why? What, what, what does she take from it? <laughs> she, I, I think to be supportive. All right, she no, barely listens nice, to the bat around anymore. Nice, nice of her. Um, My mom listens let's, all let's the time. Say, I know that's true. Let's say there was no Mrs. Valley. Mm-hmm. Megan Fox is a very attractive woman. I'm not she's, cutting myself for anybody. She's a handsome anybody. lady. You're saying no. Absolutely no. not. I think I'm going to have to strong disagree with you guys. I'll, uh, maybe I'll, get, I'll give a little... Have you I, seen Megan Fox? I, have you seen I, her thumbs? They look like no! toes. No, I have not. I haven't paid any attention at all to Megan Fox's thumbs. thumbs. Who gives a rat's ass? The only person I would ever cut myself open for is your girlfriend. Your girlfriend. Is my girlfriend. (laughs) Yes. But. (laughs) And maybe Margot Robbie. If she happens to seen, come. Have you seen Megan do I, Fox? Do I have I to cut Megan myself Fox open or can I prick my finger? What? Much anymore. Transformers Day, Stop she was it. the prime. And can now I, she's yeah. just like, what? Can I just prick the tip of my finger? Can I just do that? Yeah. I don't know. That's between sure. you and Megan Fox, dog. If, it's not. I, I think I could do that for her. I'm not cutting my chest open and ripping it open. Well, that's because he's a psychopath. I mean, I guess, you don't have to. I guess Jordan Wilford's girlfriend, the whole chest just rip open. <laughs> yeah, right. Could I, you imagine? I, I don't know, man. I've. I've seen some pretty beautiful women. I think I'm. I think I'm good. You, you don't think Megan Fox still looks good? You don't no, no, think Megan Fox still looks like someone that I'd be willing to? I, I think she looks to psychotic. drink, I think drink she blood looks for. Crazy. I 
I think the, I think, I think there's, all the, there's I think things the, I want to say, but I won't say them. I think all the iron from Machine Machine Gun Kelly's MGK's body has entered her brain. All the iron. You know what? I have to I have to put it on the women's side. If Mark Wahlberg said, Thank I'm going to cut open Thank you, you Mark blood, Wahlberg. Yeah, Mark she's Wahlberg. obsessed with that's or, where or we're 80-year-old dr- Tommy that, Lee. That's where we're drawing the line? Ew, no, Vince, not Tommy oh, Lee. Sorry. Ew, Vince? Oh, yeah, he's actually, even worse. Yeah, I like Vince. Have you seen Vince today? Yeah, Vince is not. Yes, he's today, not, but I'm talking about shape. back in time. Oh, you can't go back in time. That's you, not okay. a thing. It hasn't we're been talking about today. Okay, well, no, I would not do Vince's Who would Whose blood would you drink today? Mark Wahlberg. Wasn't he in Tom uh, Holland. Uncharted? He's Dylan in Uncharted. O'Brien. It's so funny that you compare Tom Holland to Mark Wahlberg. Like Mark and, Wahlberg is And they're both in Uncharted. Tradi- no? Yes, they are. Have, have you seen Uncharted? Yes, I did. I've seen it twice. Oh, she, just made, she just made a noise. Yeah, she took off his shirt. Have you ever when they take off their shirt was, on the big screen? Yeah, it's so I know. Much better. I know because I was on Instagram okay. this morning and I ah, there was a so photo. Cute. Everybody there, settle down. There yeah. was a there was a photo. I don't want to hear it, Mr. Yeah. Megan Fox. Well, I'm there, just saying she's attractive. No. There was a photo of Tom Holland with a wet T-shirt from Uncharted, <laughs> and my girlfriend like looked over and was like. And so like just beautiful. He's like five foot seven. That's and I, I would give my life so for him. So am I, man. Well, there are short kings out there, Paul, Glenn. You, know, Paul, you, know, you don't have to be six know. foot. You know. All right, Most of them are losers anyway. All right. Very good, Jay. Hey, now. Thank you. <laughs> Here we go. Here's uh, here's. Did This Really Happen. Did This Really Happen. Brought to you by your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Oh, I already did that you one. Did already Who's did this that. one brought to you by? Press box print. Uh, it is no, I did that with Bo. So oh. uh, whatever. This one's brought to you by Super Live good. Casino and Hotel and the FanDuel Sportsbook, the place to be for the rest of the NBA playoffs, as well as two big fights coming up in May, UFC 274, as well as the big Gervonta Davis fight. You're gonna want to be there. Reserve your spot right now. Events at SportsSocialMD.com. Paul finally took an L last week. No, I've taken like three straight. Oh, that's right. He is. I'm, I'm ice cold. All right. You know, ice what, cold. you know what's cooler than being cool? Ice, ice cold. cold. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm always with the hippest reference. You have no idea what we're talking now, about. Fellas. No, I do. I just, yeah. It, song is it awesome. literally was on Just Dance. It's one of the great. Oh, that's how you know that no, song. No, it's not I wanna, how I know it. I I'm just saying myself. I used Calm to. Down. Oh my God, what I'm down, Fembot. I know that song because <laughs> I, I listen to that song a lot. Thank so. you. It's a great Thank song. You, it's one of the greatest songs. The dance. Christ. Anyway, go, go. According to Ranker, Andre Stander finished school at top of his class and became head of the, cr- the criminal investigation department in Kempton, South Africa. When he was 31 years old, he decided to use his insider knowledge to become a bank robber. He would put on a disguise and rob a bank during his lunch break, then return later in the afternoon to lead the investigation. He robbed 30 banks before he drunkenly tried to recruit an accomplice who turned him into the police. But while he was in prison, he met two other bank robbers, and they made an escape and robbed 20 banks over the course of two months. During one robbery, the security guard actually held the door for them, not realizing they had just robbed the bank. They lived a life of luxury, spending time in the U.S. and around the world, until police caught up with them, and Stander was killed during a confrontation with a police officer. What a way to end his life. It's there's no way there's this is South Africa. Mm-hmm. So there's 50, 50 plus banks. That's a lot of banks. It is a lot of banks. South Africa is a very big country though. It's a very like, wealthy yeah. country. Yeah. South know. Africa is really wealthy. Yeah. Lots of banks. You're thinking of you're thinking of other countries in Africa. I yeah. get yeah. yeah. This is South so. Africa is not it's a it's friends it's from not South Somalia. Africa. 
All right, Jordan, you can make the first guess. False. No. Oh. True. 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 It's not. It's not true. This is true. Wait, 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 wait. Jordan. It's true. I'm saying it's true, but her face told me it's not true. Okay. It's fake. This sounds like the plot of a Netflix movie starring Ryan Reynolds, not a. Not, I, not I would a drink his thing. blood too. I'm a good lord. Sorry. <laughs> I might I might I might drink his blood too for the record. I do love, I do love Ryan Reynolds. Three. There we go. Yeah, right. Uh boy. This is so complicated that like mm-hmm. the the complications of it make it feel like it's true. Because like there's a lot there. But it also makes it very easy to just twist one little thing. Right. It's the plot of point break the remake. This is a true story. This is a true story. It's true. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, yes. it is. Yes. God, what happened to you? What happened to you? I thought I had Jordan for a minute. God. Yeah, and then I was like, nah, nah. It's the incompetence on all levels. Wow. This is just ridiculous. Wow. It's going to be made into a movie now. You know, it's it does be actually a- sound like a really, good, a really good movie. They're like going a to make it into a movie. movie. You know what movie I finally watched the other night? I finally watched uh, Zola about the stripper. Do you remember that story? No. Oh, you never, it was a Twitter thread that was like viral as hell about a girl who was a stripper who met another girl that was a stripper and like the girl, like she met her one day and the next day this other girl convinced her to like drive to Tampa with her to strip and like it was insane. There were gangs, there were like, there shootings, there were like, it was a weekend from hell and it was just this long ass Twitter thread and somebody was like, I'm going to turn that into a movie. And they had the right idea. It was a really, it was a where did, wild. Where is this? I don't remember. I don't remember who had it. I don't remember where I found it. But it's called Zola. Z-O-L-A was the name of the movie. It was good. It, it was good. All right. Uh, and you know, the only reason I watch it is because I, I heard. You like strippers. strippers in it? No, I heard two other people Valid. talking about it. When I, was, when I got my hair cut, I it's, heard. It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. All right. You can find it on Hulu. Um, and I was like, you know what? That sounds compelling. I think I'm going to go watch that film. That's the way it's going to go. All right, good job, Cass. Now, one more thing we got to do because we haven't talked about it at all today. The Orioles, unfortunately, uh, were on the wrong side of the final finale of a sweep yesterday. Uh, Lord knows, I did not watch a sing- for the- this is now back-to-back games. I did not watch a single pitch of either game. But the man who is responsible for telling us about what might matter from the game, I know what really matters is unrelated to the game. He is our one-minute man. He is Paul Valley. And he was not ready. I thought we were skipping it. Oh, I mean, they played yesterday. Um, look, they're good. The Orioles uh, got 14 hits, a, a season high. They had seven doubles last night. Uh, Austin Hayes had four hits, a career high, and three doubles, He's a career high. high. Uh, the 14 hits, but only five runs because they went four for 15 with runners in scoring position, which isn't terrible, but it's not great. Look, the defense was the story of the game. Five errors. Really should have been six because they didn't, they didn't uh, call it an error on Odor in the fifth, but that was an error. Um, and all, all four un- uh, runs against Zimmerman were unearned because of those errors. Uh, look, the pitching, the starting pitching has been okay. The bullpen's kind of faltering here lately, but if you're not going to play good defense, you're not going to win baseball games. And You know, when you have Gutierrez, Mateo, and Arias, who are not really known for their gloves at this point in their career, going around the infield, that's a problem. Now they got Kyle Bradish coming up, making his first start tonight, and they better play good defense behind him or it's not going to be a, a pretty thing. This defense needs to get better, but the offense coming around, and hopefully the bullpen can get back, can get things back. Man, once again, falling short. Poor, poor Mrs. Valley. Can't get even get a minute out of him. That is really tough. Um, look, 
the only thing that matters is Bradish pitching tonight. That's it. Yeah. That's the story yeah. of it. And let's see what happens. And let's not be crazy about this. Kyle Bradish is not make or break for the rebuild. But if the rebuild is going to work, as we keep saying, somebody else has to identify themselves as a pitcher besides Grayson Rodriguez. And maybe Bruce Zimmerman is doing that, but maybe Bruce Zimmerman is doing that. Somebody else has got to do it. Kyle Bradish is probably the best chance of someone else to establish themselves as a pitcher. Matt Harvey went five innings, one hit, and I'm sorry, one run and yeah. six Ks in extended spring training the other day. So that's nice. So there's that. All right, now back to, still be back, suspended. back to the point. The point is somebody else has to establish themselves as a pitcher for the rebuild to work. Matt Harvey, of course, is not part of the rebuild. Right. Um, in order for this to work, somebody else has to establish themselves as a pitcher. Kyle Bradish is is a there's a chance that he could be that guy. So there is a bit more interest in going to the ballpark tonight because of it. Um, There'll be a bunch of Red Sox fans there, but the Red Sox stink, so we got that going for us. Which Do is, they? Well, they did. Had they started winning games again? I uh, I have been checked. It, it's so, so early. Uh, they, they stunk as of a week ago. I've been checked out this I, week. I believe I actually football. picked them to finish in fourth place because I don't think they have the pitching to get through uh, to Red, get through the season. Red Sox are eight and twelve. Yeah, they stink. That's yeah. what I thought. They stink. They're terrible. It's if kind we, of what they do, though. They're really good, then they're really bad, then they're really good, then they're really if, bad. If we sweep them. We're yeah, not we'll, yeah, we'll be ahead. Yeah, there of you all. go. There you go. It's going to be embarrassing for them. Um, so yeah, there's a reason to go to the ballpark tonight to see Kyle Bradish. That's that's as I said about the um, who did John Means pitch against? It was John Means and a couple weeks ago. His before, with the start where he got hurt. Who was, oh, I was I was at that game. Corbin too. Corbin Burks. Thank you. I was, Corbin I was at that game like, too. There's every now and then there's a like a a real reason to go to the ballpark. John mm-hmm. Means, Corbin Burns. We thought was a real reason to go to the ballpark. As it turns out, it was a very sad night. Um, this is a reason to go to the ballpark. There's a reason tonight to get out and go see the Baltimore Orioles, to walk up and buy a ticket tonight. It's because you get the opportunity to watch Kyle Bradish pitch for the first time. And if you don't get out to that ballpark, go to Aberdeen, because I don't think you're going to see Rutschman there after Sunday. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is... Yeah. I'm, I'm targeting May 16th. It's a homestand that opens with the Yankees. It's a yeah, a lot, of, a lot of... That's what... Um, I know Weinman and Lock and Four have been talking about that a lot. I've always been confused as to why you'd want the first Rutschman game to be a Yankees game. Like, you've Probably already got a built, bit of a built-in crowd for that. Get more Orioles fans there than Yankees. Maybe fans, so. you know what I mean. Like maybe it just adds to it. I don't know, but yeah, I mean th- that date makes sense based on where he is and continuing mm-hmm. on this trajectory. That date makes sense. On and on, I, I know we had him on earlier in the week, but I was actually at the game about oh, Dylan. the Dylan Harris I, thing. That was I was wild. at the game because Daniel Espino, the, Luke Jackson was talking to me about him yesterday. Yeah, Holy da- crap! Daniel Espino had like. Oh, he struck a, out the first was, 11 batters 11 of the batters. Game. He ended with 14 strikeouts. On, I, it, like, on something like he, 82 yeah, pit or 60-something, whatever hit, it is. He hit 104 like six times, and then he would do like a 104 fastball and then give you like a 72-mile-per-hour curve on the wild. dirt. That is wild. But All right. Uh, very good. That's our one-minute man. When we come back in, we will get the tidbit and tubular to wrap up the week. It's Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not quite ready All yet. right. We, We've been struggling today. It's been a we've been on the struggle bus. I was th- I was thrown for a loop there. I apologize. Well, we, we had to take one more break today. Paul. I, I, we had one I, more I, break to take I'm, before I'm we wrap up the re- show. And I gotta go. I gotta go to Stevenson for the 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 the, the internship thing. All right, we're ready now. All right. <laughs> 
Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MD gamblinghelp.org that first sip that first bite mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the bat around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, winding down for the week here on GCR as we get ready for... Rounds two and three of the NFL draft tonight. And again, uh, Ken and I will be doing a recap show tomorrow at about four o'clock to wrap up the totality of the weekend. Reminder that Simply the Bets is every Tuesday morning at 11.40 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. I'm going to make sure that you join us, try to win some money. Aaron Oster has been on a heat. That wide receiver one is one of his all-time great ones. That was He saw that a couple weeks ago, five and a half. Five and a half was the number. It cruised past five and a half wide receivers. Was no issue. It was nearly five wide receivers before the Ravens picked. That's how quick that number hit. So you want to win some money? What did I win on last night? I won on, oh, I won on the, um, the, the Suns. I lost on the Raptors. <laughs> I lost. They were okay. It was a two-point game, and I'm like, "Oh, I know the Sixers. They're gonna blow this." So it's like early third quarter. It's a two-point game. I race over to one of the 61 self-service kiosks, the FanDuel Sportsbook. I put my money in. By the time I look at the screen again, it's a 17-point game. Oh, they they were up by one at the half, and I'm up like, by 20 with like five minutes left in the third. What the f happened? 
because I couldn't pay attention. I was dealing with the draft. I was like, what I've, happened? I thought the Jazz had a shot to win last night, too. Uh, they, they did. I mean, they definitely had a yeah. shot. They had a big lead at the half. But I think the Mavericks are a threat. I really, I am nervous about I I think the winner of the Celtics-Bucks series is going to be the champion. Yeah, I'm, Whoever, not, I'm, I'm not willing to go. I, like, I still think, I would still have the Bucks as my favorite to win the chip. Because I said all along, they've got Giannis. But I'm not willing to go there yet. There's just the, too many good teams. I just, I'm nervous. As a Suns fan, I am nervous about the Mavericks. That Betting-wise, uh, FanDuel, Sportsbook, yeah. has this... Celtics as the favorite. So you they could, took over as the favorite. Yeah. When did so that it's happen? I think, but it was two days ago. Mm, Bucks the Warriors. Bucks are like plus one thirty. No, like in 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 terms of the Bucks. Oh, Celtics, the series. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's different. But, but, like, Bucks are like plus one thirty six versus Celtics. Uh huh. Interesting. Very. You might interesting. have to. Uh, yeah, I like the Bucks. I actually think I might have to. I might have to, yeah, the Bucks are plus 168. Yeah, I yeah, might have to throw not? a couple bucks that way. You're right. I might have to throw a couple bucks. Yeah, the Warriors are back to being, the, uh, the Warriors are slim favorites. They're plus 320. The Suns are plus 330. Celtics plus 370. And then the Heat, 650. The Bucks, 700. And the Grizzlies, 13 to 1. No love at all for the Sixers. That is uh, kind of wild to me that the Sixers are even longer odds than the Grizzlies. That's kind of crazy. One of, one of my friends came up to me and he's like, the Heat. The Heat's his pick. I, I mean, we don't respect them enough because they win, but, yeah. like, I, I I, don't see it. I don't see it at all. Yeah. All right. Uh, tidbit. Oh, you know what? I, I was telling you about Simply the Bets. Yeah, Simply the Bets. Every Tuesday morning, 1140 a.m. And then next week, uh, the return of Weekend at Bookies. Thursday, every other Thursday at 1140 a.m. as well. What you got? All right. This is kind of a long one. I'm glad Jordan's here. I was anticipating this, but I can give you, I'll give you two options that you can do since you have – Limited time. Uh, so last night, the Ravens took two players in the first round of the NFL draft. Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton and Iowa State center Tyler Linderbaum. Both players were considered the best players in the draft at their respective positions. Hey, Jordan, who was the last Notre Dame safety the Ravens drafted? Uh, dead? dead? No. What? Oh, I have no Is it Haruki Nakamura? Close. Tom Zibikowski. Tom Zibikowski. Gotcha. Nakamura uh. was Cincinnati. Um, and in Hamilton's case, many thought he was the best overall player in the draft. For the Ravens, it was the sixth time in franchise history that they took two players mm. in the first mm. round. Oh. So what I was going to ask you to do yep. was name every first-round pick in Ravens history because I felt like we both do not could have do this, that but time, we don't yeah. have the time. So just name the um, – can you name the six drafts, yeah. including this one, in which mm -hmm. – the five before this one. We'll do that. In which they took two players, and can you name the players? I, I'll can, I'll uh, I, I, could, I can't name the years, but I can name the I, players. I, yeah, I can't well, I can name, name the years. I can name 96, uh, of course. Ogden Lewis. Yes. 96. Uh – Damn, why am I buying? How about Jamal Lewis and Travis Taylor? That's the next one in 2000. Yeah. Did they get... You, I, you, I, you, I, you I had this. I literally... Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, do you remember last yeah, year? Phone, phone, it, last year we got uh, OA. And? Why am I blanking what? on this? What is yeah, wrong with And Bateman, yeah. Jeez. Like, what's his first name? I, that was a rough scene. I was like, why am I blanking? You could have been talking about Jason Bateman. Yeah. Do you remember 03? Ah, uh, no. I was three years old. Well, if I told you one of them was Terrell Suggs, would mm -hmm. you remember who the other one was? Mm -hmm. Pretty infamous pick in Ravens history. Reed? You're wearing his in number. Infamous. Oh. One infamous. of his numbers. Infamous. Not, no. Huh? I am so... Quarterback so for Cal. Could throw it through the uprights at 60 yards from his knees. 
Kyle See, Bowler. Kyle, oh. Kyle. Do you know Bowler. who Kyle Bowler That's is? I'm yeah, concerned. No, no, no. I know. But I speaking know of the jersey Bowler that you're wearing, it was Lamar's year. And who'd we pick before? Come on, bro. And uh, he's not here. Ho- and Hollywood. No, nope. no. That was next year. Lamar, and he's not here anymore. Nope. No, hasn't been here for a few years yep. actually. Huh. Hasn't been here All for right. a few years. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. Ha- Hayden Hurst, dog. Hayden he Hurst. He was the first. He was the, yeah. the they, first. They, they, they took him before, before they took Lamar. Obviously, because like Lamar was the thirty-second pick. I Damn. did we get them all or is there one more? Okay, I was gonna say I thought, I thought I thought I couldn't. I, it was like if there were one more, I can't think of who it is. No, you, you got them all. All right, very good. Damn, Jordan, that was kind of disappointing, yeah, I was, man. I, I Bro, deflated. Really, I, I literally, really I, I literally struggled. was talking to my friend. I don't know how I fumbled the bag really on that. We need struggled. you to stop drinking every weekend. Yeah, man. that was a rough scene. Yeah. Rough that, scene that was, there. That was rough. All right, uh, totally tubular is brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org. Draft gets back underway tonight. ABC, NFL Network, and it'll start on ESPN, but then it's going to move to ESPN um, 2 at some point because they will have NBA playoffs coverage. Starts 7 o'clock tonight for rounds 2 and 3, and then the rest of the draft tomorrow afternoon starting at noon. Again, don't forget, we'll be doing a recap show at 4 o'clock, myself and Ken Zalas. It probably won't even be a recap show. It'll be more like watching the final rounds live, but it'll be half recap, half that. Uh, Orioles for the weekend. Tonight, 7 o'clock against the Red Sox. Rich Hill and Kyle Bradish on Masson. Tomorrow it, tomorrow would be Spencer Watkins, correct? They haven't announced yes. it, but tomorrow would be Spencer uh, Watkins. It, it would be his turn. Um, that's at 7 o'clock as well. Nathan Eovaldi starts for the Red Sox. And then who would Sunday be? Who started the first game against the Yankees? Um, uh, is it – what's his name? It's not Tyler Wells, is it? No. It would be – because Wells started the second game, didn't he? Is it Jordan Lyles? Oh, yeah. It would be Jordan Lyles. Yeah. Jordan Lyles on Sunday would be whose turn it would be. But I don't know why. They just haven't announced that. I just feel like he just pitched. but Well, that's days when you, when you, play, six, when you yeah. play six straight days, it's, yeah. it's going to work that way. That's true. Um, Nick Pavetta goes on Sunday. That's 1 o'clock on Masson as well. Uh, tonight, game six between the Grizzlies and Timberwolves at 9 o'clock on ESPN as an opportunity for the Grizzlies to march on and uh, join everyone else in the – Conference semifinals. The Sunday lineup has been announced. Game one between the Bucks and Celtics at one o'clock on ABC. Game seven, if necessary, for the Timberwolves and Grizzlies at three thirty on ABC for Sunday playoff. Nothing tomorrow. And uh, lacrosse for the weekend. Uh, Maryland is off because they wait. Um, the the Big Ten tournament starts, to, but it's the Maryland's not in the first round because you know they're the best team in the country. So Hopkins is in action tomorrow. They take on Penn State. That's on uh, Big Ten Network Plus to late tomorrow afternoon. Uh, Towson's moving closer to wrapping up the CAA regular. You gonna have to support Towson at all, Jordan? No, you're a terrible human being. I know. Way to feel good about yourself. Uh, noon tomorrow against Hofstra on Lack Sports Network. The Maryland women are at Michigan tomorrow at noon on ESPNU. And tonight, some lacrosse. Um, UMBC's at home against NJIT at 7. Loyola's at home against Lehigh. That's a big one, 6 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Navy's at home against Bucknell at 7 on ESPN+. Plus. I think that's about all you need to know. Everything else you can find at glennclarkradio.com. Non-sports. Uh, look, there's... 
there's really nothing outside of Ozark today. Yeah, it's a big on deal. Netflix. It's a very and, big deal. And on Sunday, winning time to rise the Los Angeles Lakers dynasty. Like, literally, there's nothing else. That this isn't the finale, right? There's one more after this one. I have for no winning idea. Time, I, I was actually going to ask I you think, that. I think there's two more episodes of Winning Time for the season. It which kind of breaks my heart because I freaking love it's this show. It's phenomenal. I love it's this a show. Wonderful show. All right, very good. Jordan Social. Instagram, jschwartzberg1, and Twitter, schwartzbergjs. Thanks to Jordan. Thanks to Cass. Thanks to um, everybody who joined us today. Thanks to uh, Kirk Ferentz, Iowa football coach, Pressbox Ravens beat writer Bo Smolka. Thanks to um, uh, Doug Farrar from USA Today, Anthony Heron from the Big Ten Network. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hit section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. What's uh, the bat around tomorrow? What's going on? Uh, tomorrow we are going to have Matt Sabatis join the show. We're going to have Rich Dubrow from BaltimoreBaseball.com join us of course, as well. Stan uh, is off tomorrow. Matt's the play-by-play guy for the Bowie Bay Sox. Yes, thank you. I left that out. Yeah, not everybody knows that, so yeah. you got to make sure you remind everybody. That's all. All right, very good. That's tomorrow, 10 to noon. Uh, Paul and Zach talking. Is it, is it Zach? Or no, is, Zach's in Vegas. Vegas. Ryan Blake right? is uh, pinch hitting again. All right, very good. That's tomorrow, 10 to noon. They're talking baseball. Then we'll have the draft recap show tomorrow afternoon. And then the radio show on Sunday, and I'll sleep when I'm dead. Project Runway, tonight. Please come join us, projectrunway.org. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Apes Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook, Live Casino and Hotel, Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Cass. Thanks to Jordan. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Thanks to Ryan at RexBecks. Ryan is how you follow him. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go Birds. Go local lacrosse teams. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.